on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will kick things off with some pop culture talk, including a review of the Black Adam movie and other currently talked about franchises. Once you've been pop cultured, the dudes will move into their deep dive breakdown and review of Andor S1E7 announcement. They'll also riff on some Andor theories based on Episode 7's plot and an old trailer that now has more meaning to it. Yes, they'll also give predictions for this week's Episode 2. After Andor time, the discussion will shift to some new insights into the Star Wars movie universe, which saw a few juicy updates this past week. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewie. You can hear me, but you can't see me. Hey now, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new and blinding episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Why is it blinding? Well, you should probably be on the live stream every Tuesday, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show 230p or as close to that mark as we can get. And uh, both of us are airing our lovely bald heads right now. Uh, Nick's got some shine. I have like this death white light going on because i'm using a white light so i think i'm going to go ahead and put on my uniform there we go that's a little better now i can see the fans can see it's time to rock and roll so welcome 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 my friends like i said we're back to do a little star wars time you get it once a week you probably want it more or maybe you want it less but you know (laughs) you can always count on the dudes every tuesday on the live and don't forget live gets recorded posted on wednesday at some point in time because right. <laughs> wednesdays have gotten a little bit hectic for the uh, star wars time show main host here with andor and i teach in the middle of the day and the podcast sometimes the yeah. podcast is coming out a little bit later on wednesdays but just bear with us a few more weeks of that cadence so my friend Obviously, we got some Andor to talk about. Another great episode, Episode 7, Announcement. I thought the title was fantastic. Once again, Miro is hitting on all facets of the burgeoning burgeoning Rebel Alliance. Got a lover. I've got some things to talk about about her, some ideas, some speculations. I want to bounce off my friend Nick. But before we get there, you know, we, we kind of do our pop culture talk in the opening segment. we got a few things to discuss uh, if you are on the live stream, clearly you see our first topic is going to be Teth Adam, a.k.a. Black Adam, a.k.a. The Rock Adam. So <laughs> I went and checked that out. I'll be talking about that. Uh, but we've got some Star Wars movie news coming down later in the program. Uh, it, it seems like some heat is being turned up on one of the mystery projects. Who knows what the hell that means, right, Nick? We these days when it comes to star wars movies until a poster fucking drops we really can't believe it's real you yeah, know I was what i mean say, so. technically everything in star wars movies right now is a mystery project because nobody yeah. knows shit about what's <laughs> yeah. going on so. but um uh, it, something's popped off this week i mean there, there, there's been multiple articles uh, from supposed sources deadline thr so we'll talk about that uh, we've got this Kathleen Kennedy thing going on that I, I think is kind of silly, but hey, we'll comment the fans. Kind of 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the fans wanted our insight, so we live for you all. So you yeah. get what you ask for. That's a Star Wars time show, though, right? That's why you guys come here, and that's why we need more of you, guys and gals. But before I get into Black Adam, a, a, a personal milestone of mine I'd like to share, Nick, if you would let me. Yes, of course. But um, we're having unseasonably warm weather in the north here, okay? I live in central Ohio. Uh, this past weekend, we were hitting, you know, mid-70s, no clouds in the sky, and for people in the North, when that happens, it, it kind of motivates you to do things you may not be doing at this point in time in the fall. And for me, it was getting on the one wheel. That's oh, right. There you go. That's Back right. On the horse. <laughs> Four and a half months after the one wheel took me out and put screws into my right leg, I mounted the bitch again this past weekend. And boy, oh boy, did it feel good. All right. If you're in our Discord, which you're free to join, just uh, you can find the link in our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show on Insta. But um, I'll tell you what, man. I know some people out there rolling their eyes like you're an idiot. You're old. Why would you get back on that thing? You're a loser. Be careful. I hope you get hurt again. And hey, that's fine. I get it. I will say that I the understand. be careful is probably like the nicest. Way. Just be like, I'm happy for you, man. Just be careful. Just be careful. I, I feel know, like man, that's but a it, good it, one. <laughs> yeah, it just I, I feel a little a little parented at this point in time, especially <laughs> by the women in my life, which you know I appreciate. I'm not I'm not bitching and moaning. It's nice to know that people care about you. But I just ask people that know me and know how I, you know, handle my week, the the exercise I put in, the the way I like to eat, uh, the therapy I've been going through for almost three months now. Just understand I know my body, okay? I, I know where I'm at. I know how I feel both mentally and physically. Probably better than most of you people. I can tell you a specific day of the week, I'll tell you exactly how I'm going to feel. If I'm going to feel bloated and pissing a lot or if I'm taking multiple shits throughout the day, that's how dialed in I am with my fucked up system. So it was a combination of this week in therapy, Nick. We got to jumping, Nice. <laughs> I know it's nice. like oh hey good for you baby Matt but I was allowed to jump for the first time since June and in my head I've kind of had that as a milestone for getting back on the one wheel yeah All right I, I've been I've been standing on it in my kitchen just to see if I still had the balance and I've been slowly riding it back and forth holding on to counters because I like listen until I'm feel comfortable jumping again which is typically how you're going to dismount if you get into a fucked up situation on the one wheel mm -hmm. i was like i'm not doing it but this friday uh, my therapist was kind of asking all right wait how you feeling what do you want to work towards i was like you know what i want to add in some jumping possibly getting to running so we i got to jump and by jumping i proved to myself that all right dude you're you're not as broken as you sometimes think you are let's give this thing a go so saturday evening I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, you know what, man? It's time to power this thing up. First time since June 10, taking it outside. Stepped on it, and just like riding the bike, off to the races. Now, when I say races, I'm talking slow races. I, I didn't crest uh, 10 miles an hour. All right, I'm, not, I'm, I'm never going to get into the 20 miles an hour again on that fucking thing. I learned my lesson. But I can't tell you how mentally great... And I very rarely feel good mentally <laughs> how great it was to get on that thing again and, and beat my own timeline. I didn't think I'd be riding that thing again until next spring. Uh, so that was a win. 
and I'll be doing it again today because it's 70 today, and then we go back to the 50s, and it, and it crashes. So after the show, I'll be on that one wheel floating around the neighborhood. So may the force be with me. Thank you, universe. Yes. Positive vibes work. If those of you, if you believe in the magic dude in the sky, sure. Sure, he helped too, but I believe in the force and the universe. So good shit there. Good, good uh, personal win for myself. So it's probably only a matter of time before I break my left leg and we're back to to bitching and and being (laughs) locked in my basement again. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Thank thank you, Kevin. It is... uh, it, it was something it, it, it is it's weird like if you've never broken your body and, and haven't been able to use a part for extended periods of time it, it's hard to explain what it does to you i mean physically it's easy to figure out you, you 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 atrophy and turn into a pile of shit mentally it's even harder because i've been feeling pretty good but mentally i'm still going hey dude you broke your leg like if you jump you're gonna snap your fucking leg again or twist your knee and it's gonna fuck you up but when i have a professional be it a therapist or a surgeon say yeah you can do it then it's like that governor comes off and i can get back to normal so thank you for that that little personal story i just had to share it Um, it's good good shit though one wheel life i'm back let's float all right so, pop culture talk. Before I get into Black Adam, Nick, I'm going to assign you and I some homework for next week. And okay. maybe you're, you already got to jump on this, but we both need something to fill the void of Rings of Power, correct? Yes. Yes, we always need more TV in our lives. Just that is agree. True. It is, it's a true statement. And I, I've, I've kind of had my eye on this. It's the same network of ROP. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it, I doubt it's the same budget, but same networks of Prime Video. Mm-hmm. And I've been eyeing it up. It's been intriguing looking, but I had the intern contact me over the weekend, who, by the way, is also laid up due to blowing out his knee. <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> did I tell you that? Did I, I tell think, you that? I don't think so. No. Yeah. yeah so it, it was it was probably three or four weeks ago. Homeboys out at Penn State playing yeah. kickball with adults and fucking blows out his patellar tendon on his other leg. He's already done. He's already blown out one on his one leg. Now he made things equal. Oh no. So it's hilarious. It's like, you know, cause he was busting my chops. Like, Hey motherfucker, you're 40. Why, what are you doing on a one wheel? I, I feel better about telling my story about breaking my leg. You know, I was on a one wheel. I was riding 20 miles an hour. I was an asshole. I might've been drinking beer. You know, that, 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 that sounds kind of rough and tough. Makes me sound like a tough guy, (laughs) but his was kickball. So I was like, oh, motherfucker, don't you ever give me shit again about doing stuff as a grown man that only children should be doing. But yeah, I'm, it's crazy. Listen, man, I met this dude in, in my master's online at Penn state and You've seen us together, right, Nick? I mean, we're the complete yeah. opposite physically. I mean, he, no, yeah. he's like Ryan six three, like, <laughs> you know, big, big dude, swole. Yeah, you know, probably like, he's a large man. Yeah. Like he, he's six he's a big, something. tall guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could carry me like a baby. Okay, yeah. but it's uncanny how closely our lives and our minds sync. Like we. Without knowing each other, we're both huge Buckeye fans, huge Steeler fans, huge Star Wars fans, uh, <laughs> huge Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones, you name it. It's like any any wasted thing in life you could spend time on, we are in line. E- even <laughs> politically, we are in line. It's crazy, right, Nick? You, you know, you have good friends. and Yeah, it, it's rare it's to hard. find somebody like that that vibes with you like on every level. 
Yeah, it's it just we've always had this weird thing. I mean, sometimes it could be going literally sometimes going to text almost the exact same thought at the same time. Like it's it almost makes me believe in the big magic guy <laughs> or more into the force in the universe itself. Um, but back to our homework. So the show I'm talking about, Nick, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it in your periphery, the peripheral. Okay, yeah, I actually Prime have Video. heard about that. Yes. Oh, yes. hold on. Our special guest has arrived. She is back <laughs> from school. From first grade. From first grade. She her. was so first happy grade. last week when, when Sir Dork said, hi, Charlie. And I was like, look, see, they, they know who you are. And she's like, why are they saying my name? And I had to explain. They, you have almost become a character now on the Star Wars show. So, And she's even wearing her, her Grogu PJs. Yep. Because it was PJ day at, at, yes. at, at school. So, all right. Mm -hmm. Good to see you. So, anyways, intern says the peripheral is money. And I believe he said, and, and trust me, Nick, he was just as big, if not a bigger fan of Rings of Power than you. Okay. And I believe his direct, I'll just pull up the text. But I'm pretty sure he has now given it the crown over Rings of Power just one episode in. Hmm. Uh, let, hold on, let me, let me see here. Here, because I got to get through all of our Ohio State game bitching. <laughs> uh, we usually do that on a, on a Buckeye Saturday. Our, our, uh, all right, here we go. Bro, peripheral is fucking hard as woodpecker lips. Might be my <laughs> favorite show this year. So there you go. Nice. So uh, I, I was misquoting him. He did, not, he did not say it's better than Rings of Power. But he but says he did maybe say the best show this year. So that would... Rank All it right, up there. so <laughs> can we possibly commit to at least watching episode one before next I think, week? I think we can do that because Taylor and All I right. have have kind of like all of the shows that we were watching ended. So like Rings came to an end. We weren't watching House of Dragons. So we won't worry about that. The 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 show with Ryan Reynolds and uh, uh, Rob McElhaney about their soccer team. Welcome to Wrexham. That ended um, one of the other like another show that we were watching. We, we got to the end of that one as well. So we're like, oh, no, what oh, do we perfect. watch? Perfect, uh, then. Because this one, I mean, it, it, it's got, like, future element vibes, it, it almost like alternate universe vibes. It, it yeah. seems right up our alley. You know, people like us are drawn to, again, fiction, science fiction, maybe some fantasy. So um, it, Bat's in the chat. He's, he's saying he checked it out. It's definitely good. So, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to put that on my list possibly watching episode one and two before next week. Cause you're right. I mean, some shows have dropped off uh, both. I was a house watcher and rings of power. They're both over. I have to say, I know Nick didn't dig it, which, which kind of bummed me out, but whatever, it's fine. Everyone likes their own things, but I found house of the dragon or house of dragons to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, the, the finale was great. It's one of those shows just like game of Thrones at times before the shitty seasons that, it gets me not only emotionally invested, Nick, but physically. Like last night, knowing that some bad, heinous shit was probably going to happen, my fucking heart the whole time was like... <laughs> like, I felt like I was going to have a fucking heart attack. It's like, did I eat too many fucking candy bars this weekend or what? Because I don't take caffeine, but watching House of Dragons, man, it just gets my heart fluttering in anticipation of that... That, that, that George Martin dread and carnage that he seems to weave into his tales. So, 
Um, big fan. Can't wait for the next season. Although, just like Rings of Power, it sounds like these days we're looking at a year and a half to two years between seasons, which is fucking crazy. Uh, especially yeah. with streamers and they don't have to follow network schedules, but I don't know. Nick, what, what do you think it is? Is it just still unclogging the COVID backlog or are we just in this so new now. cadence now where, where streaming shows you're, you're going to have to wait at minimum a year and a half before you get another season? Yeah. I mean, I think it's because these streamers, well, one, these streamers gave deals to a lot of big creators and the big creators want time to work on their, their stuff. So like, they're not going to, if, if the studio says, well, we want it next year, they're going to be like, well, what are you going to do? Fucking fire me. Like, I'll just like, you're not going to get rid of me. Like the show's a hit. I will take as much time as I want to, to make the next season. So like, I think before, I think it's just the balance of power has shifted now away from the networks where it used to be to the creators now, like the creators now seem to have a little bit more power than the networks that they're working on, which yeah, is, I, I, and you know what, it, maybe it's a good thing. Cause you could argue they're also not going to rush things, rush story, rush production. Uh, I don't even think, I, I think rings of power just started production a few, a couple weeks ago, yep. house of dragons. They're not even going to start until, 2023 so that 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 one's easily going to be 2024 yeah. but even our, our our star wars programs have have stalled out we we got that normal cadence with mandalorian season one season two both hit uh you know within november december of 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 within 365 days is what i'm trying to say but even now that's gone away i mean we we have not had a season a proper season of the mandalorian in almost three years yeah it, it's going to be two and a half years by the time Mando S3 drops this February, so. All right, a lot of random shit. On to Black Adam, okay? Like most of you, when you, when, you, when, you, when you saw the trailer for this film or heard about it, you're probably, all right, okay, DC, Cinematic Universe, meh, meh. It, it, at best, it's going to be meh. And even, I'm not going to lie, like even, I love The Rock. I know there's some people out there uh, visual approach photo comes to mind. He fucking hates Dwayne Johnson. And I can't figure out why, but I love how he trolls him in his Instagram story. So visual approach, keep it up. I happen to be a fan of the man. Uh, I've heard firsthand from people that have worked with him, stunt buddy who is in black Adam. Another reason I went, uh, cause I, I've been getting behind the scenes clips of black Adam for two years now from, from stunt buddy. But, but either way, stunt buddy's like, listen, man, Dwayne Johnson is one of the most authentic, hardworking motherfuckers I've ever come across in Hollywood. He's like, the dude is legit. He don't fuck around. He shows up. He's always ready. He's, in, you know, the, the way he trains is inspiring. And he's like, he truly is an all-around, genuinely nice guy. Like, beyond all the big personality shit. So, I didn't even need... I, I don't need to know that. I, I've been a fan of this man since WWF. I mean, I, I like Dwayne Johnson. Hi, I'm Matt Haywood, and I'm a Dwayne Johnson fan. I feel like I have to say that now because some people fucking hate him. I don't know, whatever. But so I was gonna go see it for Stump Buddy, and it's Dwayne, right? You just you, Dwayne's a guy like Tom Cruise, at least for me, where I'm gonna go see his movies because I know they're at least going to be mildly entertaining. I'm not gonna say Dwayne's made some of the greatest films of all time. I still think Tom Cruise is the uh, the the greatest, biggest, and most robust Hollywood action star, Hollywood star, period. 
But I still went. I checked it out, brought the little one, because, you know, little kids should go to PG-13 movies when they're six, because that's how I was raised. <laughs> In fact, I was watching R-rated movies at five or six years old, and look how well I turned out. My language is great. My worldview is fantastic. I'm not violent at all. So we go and watch it, and I'll tell you what, my friend, while it's got its issues and, you know, there, there's a few head-scratching plot moments to be expected in the, in the DC Cinematic Universe, I still found it to be a very entertaining comic book movie. Uh, it, it has, in my opinion, some of the best comic book movie action I've ever seen. It's not, it, it's more personal, like heroes fighting each other type of stuff versus cities just getting leveled and random buildings falling over. And the opening sequence where he's kind of introduced to the film is, is one of the most bitchin' opening introduction sequences I've seen in terms of, of action. Plus, Stump Buddy gets himself two, two face shots in the movie, which stunt people always love, right? Because they, <laughs> they usually just get their ass kicked or they're wearing gear, tactical gear, mass helmets, whatever. Uh, but he actually gets two full face shots. Uh, so is it on par with anything MCU? No. Uh, is it just as entertaining as the ra- uh, latest Thor stuff? Sure. I mean, it's not as goofy as that. It's a little more serious. But I, I think it's a valid entry in the DC Cinematic Universe. I dig the character. Uh, I, I dig the the ending scene, the stinger, and, and the character they brought in and, and where they're going to go with that. And I think now that Dwayne's kind of involved in the DC, love him or hate him, it sounds like he's going to start kind of shaping the all-around universe and potentially, you know, you know who's coming back. That's confirmed. I heard today that Ben Affleck may be reconsidering. So whatever. I, I mean, DC, to my mind, they're the original comics. Any Marvel comic is based on a DC character. Just think about it. Uh, how do you beat Superman and Batman? So anytime DC can do well or serviceable in this case, it's a win for me. So yeah. I enjoyed Black Adam. I think most people will like it unless you take this shit too seriously. It's... You know, goofy plot, shit like, oh, why are they doing this? This doesn't make sense. This guy is literally Middle Eastern, and he has zero accent, but everyone yeah. else has an <laughs> like, accent that grew up there. Like, that that yeah. type of shit. Okay. Like, isn't but, The Rock, isn't Black Adam supposed to be Egyptian? They're like, yeah, so? Yeah, dude, I mean, he's literally, <laughs> everyone in the city he's supposedly the protector of has an accent. Yeah. Except him. And he's literally from thousands of years ago yeah. but hey whatever it's the fucking rock so he talks like the rock and it's very it's a very methodical delivery it's not your usual rock acting which i wouldn't say he's one of the best actors but you know he's, he kind of has a thing like arnold did and yeah. sly they they all had their thing uh, this is a different thing for the rock but like hey it works my, my how i know it was good my kid sat through a two-hour movie and wasn't, like, bouncing off the walls ready to get the fuck out of there. So the hey, fact yeah. that it entertained her, it was good enough. So yeah. I would say if you got nothing to do this week and you've been eyeing it up, him and hauling, there are worse things you could spend your time on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that DC Universe, if they want to even become relevant again, like, they need to do what they did with Black Adam and just hire, like, mega stars. Doesn't even matter if they can fucking act. You just hire superstars that people will go see anything in to play your characters. And then 
you just hope that the that their audience shows up because at this point like the DC universe I don't even, I wouldn't even call it a universe like no it's they, it's, it's so disconnected at this yeah. point <laughs> like there's no fucking plot lines that converge or make sense they're like big event movie justice league yeah. sucked both Bro, times I mean, that it they released have, like they've I mean, created a multiverse without purposely trying to create the yeah. DC multiverse you know what i mean yeah. like that that's how many <laughs> different properties they've put in the same universe but they're not they're not connected. You know, you yeah. got Robert Pattinson's Batman. Where, where the fuck does that fit yeah. in? You got, you got, and then you ben got Yo coming back to play Batman too. Like yeah. what the fuck? Well, he, is dude, he, he's in, I mean, Ben's supposed to be in the flash movie that may never come out. Cause yeah. Ezra is a fucking psycho. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's he just may like get 20 years in prison. Like, I mean, come on. So it, it, it is a shame that DC never had a, a, a Kevin Feige clone or K. E V I N from from She Hulk because it, it it is sad and and come fight me Marvel people but it is true DC started comic book characters and superheroes it, look it, it up that's, Superman that's is the guy objectively true like that's just yeah objectively I mean true so <laughs> it's sad that 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 the company that has those fucking that that stable of characters I mean. Is there really two better characters than Superman and Batman? I mean, come on. It, it, but they've completely fumbled it. it it's been bumblefucked from day one. I mean, I think Man of Steel is a damn good movie, but they go right into him fighting Super or Batman. Like you didn't even you didn't even let fucking Henry Cavill's Superman breathe after his intro movie. It's just the poor decisions left and right. So Hopefully what they've established in Black Adam and, and what Dwayne is saying, like, listen, we're not going to go right to the fight between Black Adam and, and the guy. Apparently that's a thing. I didn't know they have beef, but apparently they do. We're going to develop things out. So I think Dwayne and now it sounds like his seven bucks production is essentially taken over the DC cinematic universe hey, planning. They, they, so we'll they just fired or somebody just quit, right? Walter Hamada, like one of the other people who supposedly well, took over hey, the shit. After. That, uh, <laughs> you, you make a great point. Cause apparently he's the reason why the guy I keep talking about in the stinger scene hasn't been in many DC movies since justice league. Yeah. Uh, apparently he he identified dude as persona non grata at wb and is like fuck him you know we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna let him finish his contract as his character via cameos he's got to give us fucking movies and that's where there was beef but you're right now that he's gone he the guy i'm trying not to spoil it like <laughs> ign and every other fucking site out yeah. there did for me but the guy is is back and, and it sounds like he's back and ready to to make some more movies. So, um, Hey, I'm with, with Kevin here in the live stream and yeah, maybe we are crazy, but I too enjoyed the Snyder cut and I did like Pattinson's Batman. I mean, there are elements of the DC cinematic universe in their own little silos that are, are pretty damn good. <laughs> but in terms of interconnectivity and getting anything resembling the MCU, they're, they're still two decades away. I mean, it's like, <laughs> come on, not even close. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, Bat. I mean, fine. Fucking Superman's back. You're right. Cavill came out on Monday and was like, hey, it's true. I'm back. I'm ready to get to this, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. That, that's the big thing in, in, in BA. Um, but as Bat has made it clear, I mean, at this point in time, if you didn't know about it, you don't have the internet. And I'm kind of jealous of you. I'm kind of fucking jealous of you. Yeah, once, so. like, Cavill came out and put the whole, like, announcement out himself, it's like, okay, well... <laughs> 
I guess that shit's just out there now. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Bat, you're right. I, I, I'm i taking your cue. Cavill's back as soups. That was the big, big thing from BA. But I, I did find it kind of obscene that major sites as early as last Monday were just blowing yeah, I mean, out before, that news. Yeah, that that is a little insane. Like that, it just straight up leaked. Like, you know, that, that does kind of suck because that was a big reveal and everything. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I get fans are going to talk and maybe post shit on YouTube, but I, I mean, I, the one I saw was IGN. I'm not a huge fan of them because going through gaming media like I did for 10 years and in my 30s, whatever, they're not my favorite place. Uh, it just, it seemed odd that they, they just jumped on that and were like, hey, bleh, spoilers, eat it, pussies, it's just a DC, <laughs> it's just a DCU. Uh, all right, so there is uh, your Black Adam review and update, so we're going to watch The Peripheral, hopefully, I'm, I'm excited for that, because I, I need something, I, I only have a few more episodes left of Cobra Kai, it's latest season, I've been slow on that one. Still going through the Dahmer series on Netflix, which is fucking amazing, but just disturbing as hell. And um, that, that's about it. I mean, I think the next big movie on the horizon, at least for people like us, is probably Wakanda Forever, right? Yeah, November I think 11. so. I think that's, that's the next like big comic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. Hey, Black Adam, like I said, you, there, there's worse things you could do. It, to me, it's, it's seven, seven to eight. It's definitely in that range. Okay. But I'm I'm kind of dopey. Like I, I don't go to movies looking for high art when it comes to comic book stuff. So yeah, I, I, I can kind of I can deal with some of the cheese. You know what I mean? I think that's the appropriate way to go in. People have really like tried to turn fucking comic book movies or expectations of comic book movies into like high art, and it's like, bro, you're basing it off of characters who wear spandex for ninety percent of the time in the fucking comics. And then oftentimes just do the most ridiculous shit. So like, just calm down. <laughs> like, I, I will say that I, I believe this is true, but I think The Rock is the first ever human to play a superhero that didn't need like a, a muscle suit. Muscle suit? Maybe, like I, maybe Hem, Hemsworth I'm, probably. Because I don't think, like, well... He didn't really wear a suit. He, yeah, like his he. Arms I mean, Hemsworth. Out there. By, but yeah, by at least the second or third movie, he's essentially naked the whole time. Yeah, once once like, Taika yeah. took over, he's like, "Fuck it, we'll just keep Chris nude." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I even think Cavill had a few few things in there, maybe for his abs. But I'm pretty sure Dwayne's suit is just fucking rubber on his skin. Yeah, uh, the, the man is a beast. But yeah. there's no way in hell I would ever want to live that life. I mean, getting up at four in the morning chewing through iron going through your whole day eating a restricted diet eating tons of healthy food i was gonna say it's it's not only restricted diet it's you have to eat a shitload of a restricted diet you have to eat like ten thousand calories worth of a restricted i've been i was in the bodybuilding scene in my late teens 20s trained a a bodybuilder that won you know a, a few events mr teen pittsburgh teen ohio i know the life and i know what it takes and people that think using drugs is cheating it's not i mean it, bodybuilding is one of the most difficult things to do mentally and physically mostly because of the diet and the just kicking your ass day in and day out cardio weights cardio weights yams tuna oats <laughs> i can't eat any of that food anymore because of that lifestyle so 
kudos to him, but fuck that life. That is nuts. I, I have a feeling The Rock's probably going to be dead by the time he's 60. It's, I wouldn't so. doubt it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, pretty- that dude just fucking hustles his ass off. At some point, it's like, when is enough enough? Maybe that's why Visual Approach Photo doesn't like him. It's like, when's enough enough, Dwayne? You know what I mean? <laughs> but... If you watch the the Rock sitcom on NBC, which I also highly recommend, it's fucking great. If you like the Rock and wrestling history, um, he's one of these people that never really had anything in life and and didn't have anything as an adult and made the most of his opportunities. So usually those are the people that can't ever stop grinding. So yeah, yeah. there you go. All right. Well, uh, what do we, I don't think we did. You have any pop culture items here, Nick? Are we ready to get into? Andor time. Um, I believe we are ready to get into our time. Right. I think my recording may kicked, but I think I got it set up again, so maybe I missed a minute of myself, but no big deal. We're still going. We're still good. Uh-oh. Let's hit it. It sounds like I should probably just download the YouTube version this week. <laughs> we'll see. We could be getting in another weirdo zone of our stems don't line up and I want to stab my eyes out, but I guess we'll, fi- I'll find out that yeah, tomorrow. So we'll, we'll find out when we, when we finish. Luckily up, Wednesdays, no I already get up early to star Wars. So uh, <laughs> I'll just start pulling the download when I, when I start my breakdowns of Andor. and uh, yes, uh, this Wednesday in particular, my friends is one that for freaks like me, it's given me a little bit of agita because not only do we get new Andor, but we're going to get 80 minutes of Tales of the Jedi. And I'm just sitting here already getting anxious. Like, oh my God. Gotta I got to that out. I got to cover. <laughs> I got to cover it. I got to break it down before I work at 11, but that's impossible. So you're just going to have to deal with it. And, and I'm, I think yeah. I'm getting there, but we'll, we'll see. So fuck you, Disney and fuck you, Lucasfilm <laughs> for these double day, double Star Wars drop days. It's not nice. It is not nice. It is not. Especially if you're not going to send cocksuckers like me early copies of Tales of the Jedi like some of the other YouTube sites and podcasts got out there. You dicks! <laughs> Alright, so before we get into Andor Episode 7 announcement, the iconic, patented, sometimes imitated Star Wars time show breakdown. Real quick, on the uh, SWTS short-form content front, we do have an update from last week. Obviously, I have my Andor 7 videos in there, so if you missed those, I got a uh, an Easter egg breakdown short because there's hardly any Easter eggs anymore, which is great. But I got my long-form review, and for those of you that dig Star Wars comic book quick caps, I have the latest Darth Vader number 28 up there where... He and his new lady love or new lady friend, Sabe, get into some more interesting hijinks with the Empire. So check out that breakdown, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Okay, Nick, I've been uh, spewing the hot air for a lot of our opening segment. So I'm going to go ahead and let you kick us into our review portion of the Andor Episode 7 announcement breakdown. So you just saw it. It's all fresh in your mushies. Indeed. What'd you think? So I think this is the episode that really shows where, like, that that really shows where Tony is kind of straying and doing something different than typical Star Wars content, especially TV shows have been doing recently. Um, The announcement, as it's called, it does a really great job of, of digging into the minutia like getting into like 
the response, you know, which is something that we speculated on last week. We thought that. Yeah. This I, OK, well, let me did. let me cut you off right there, Nick, because I have forgot to toot our horn, <laughs> which, you know, is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but I do think if we rolled the tapes on last week's predictions for episode seven, I'm going to give us a 95 out of 100. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we <laughs> I, hit on a lot I've of stuff. Hor- Horrible short-term memory, especially when it comes to the show, because uh, you may have heard other broadcasters say this, but when, when I'm, I'm going, I, I don't really know what I'm going to say or when I'm going to say it. And by the end of the show, I don't know what any of us said. So, But I, I do remember our speculation breakdown for Episode 7 was pretty damn close to what actually happened. So yeah, we definitely called out heavy focus on Miro. Um heavy focus on Imperial's response to Aldani. We called out like relatively minimal interaction with, with Cassian, which I do think is accurate. Like we, we got a little Cassian, but the episode itself was mostly centered around Miro. Well, I, I did say, I was like, listen, we, we may get some, some, they may use this for some flashbacks. We got yeah. them. Yes. Win. So. <laughs> Um, but I, I, overall, I thought it was a solid episode. I, I really like that you're starting to see how the empire thinks, which is one thing that we really never got prior is, you know, how they think, how they react to things that the rebellion does. And this was the first real announcement, as Miro said of, of the rebellion. And, the, and we got to see the early response from the empire. Um, I will say that the one thing that, that is still kind of moving slow, but, I guarantee you is going to turn into something is the Cyril storyline. Um, you know, he wouldn't have kept it around in the show and he wouldn't have included it in this episode. If Cyril isn't going to like by the, at least the end of season one have turned into something like he, he's not just going to follow <laughs> this character for no reason. How so. dare you, Nick? Are you saying people that work in cubicles and offices aren't real people? They're That's not right. something in life. That's right. Come on. They're, he they're he got robots. himself a job in the he bureaucracy did. or whatever the fuck that fuel, place is the, called. The fuel, whatever. Fuel yeah. Wait, weights and division. measures or some <laughs> yeah. dumb shit. How horrible is life on Coruscant if you're not an elite, huh? Man, you just go to like, I I guess it's no different than our society where if you're not a boss boss, you're, you're going to a cube farm. I mean, that, that was a Star Wars cube farm, my friends. That's what you work in if you work in a cubicle office. Yeah. So, um, you know, that storyline was a little bit slow, but we knew that Cyril was going to pop back up in this episode. We called that out last week and we knew that Miro was going to be a, a primary focus. Um, one of my favorite parts of it, even though it was, you know, towards the end was definitely, you know, as you put in the, the, the question of the, the week, the uh, space Miami going to, I think it was Neomis or something like that. Niomas. Um, yeah. That planet was very interesting. That was actually some of the uh, leaked footage that we had seen during the production of Andor. If oh, you yeah. remember seeing the beach scenes and stuff like Ac- that. According to uh, Tones, who lives over in the UK, this is... Uh, Tones is in the chat, so correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently the location they filmed that at, at that's like dirty Las Vegas of UK. Gotcha. Okay. That, yeah. Um, so that was interesting just to get to see um, basically how the Empire even if you're just standing around when anti-imperial activity is happening, they'll just fucking arrest your ass, arrest you six years in jail. Good luck. Bye. 
Um, well, they, you know what that was? I, I think the reason not, I mean, obviously they did that to move Cassian's story along, but I think yeah. they also showed us that Nick, because if you remember at the very opening meeting with you, you Lauren, he's like, essentially we're re-examining all sentences. Yes. Uh, if you, if you do something against the empire now, it's an automatic felony essentially. So they're showing us the fallout of the Aldhani mission exactly. and now how the empire deals with even like Nick said, I mean, Cassian was wrong place, wrong time, and got fucking six years for it. That's yeah. where the Empire is at in terms of its crackdown. And if you paid attention, that's why Miro knows that the Empire's approach to this or, or response is wrong. Yeah. This, and we'll talk about it all, but even Luthen's like, listen, this is what them we want. going overboard, this is what we need. And you're seeing yeah. it right now because the more this shit happens, where the galaxy is going to see a dude who is walking on a street get put away for six years, the more they're going to be like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Like, they're right. The Empire has been choking us so slow we didn't even realize it. But look what they're doing now. Let's fight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they wanted to ramp up the intensity of the Imperial activity. It's It's that old. Like, um, it's that old metaphor. Like if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, like a slowly boiling pot of water, it's not going to do anything. It won't react because the temperature is rising so slowly that by the time it's getting boiled, it's too late. Like it doesn't react because the temperature is going up too slow. And that's what, uh, Luthen wanted to do with the empire is make them act fast and make them act aggressively. So people will see the intensity and and how much bad is happening now prior it was like oh small little things like oh yeah well they built a base here they built a base here you know they well now there's like a you know there's a 1 a.m or there's a midnight curfew not that bad but still there's a curfew in place now it's like oh shit they're arresting people off the streets who literally were just standing there and doing nothing like it, now people will start to see the intensity of their actions so I, I do like everything and it's that kind of subtlety um, in, in, in the writing and, and stuff like that from, from Gilroy that, that really is outside of what we've typically seen with Star Wars. Usually Star Wars is like very in your face with like people bad, do bad things, people good, do good things. Like now it's, you're getting into a little bit more nuance. So I, I, I did enjoy the episode, even though you could argue that it was a little bit, you know, slow or not as action oriented as the last one. So. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So for me, I, I too enjoyed the episode. I loved it. I, it's I, I this this was a an episode of of moments, dialogue moments, in fact. And you know, there there's clearly a wing of of the Star Wars fandom that is not a fan of Star Wars dialogue moments. I am because it allows for such a deep fleshing out of not only the characters and their motivations, but the world itself. So really from start to finish, announcement had some of the, I say it, it's almost every week now, but some of the just best dialogue moments, nothing actiony going on. Uh, I, I'd argue not even a lot of tension was happening throughout this episode. Yeah. It was just dialogue to provide insights into the galaxy and the characters we've been following. Uh, I'll talk about the uh, dialogue moments that really stood out to me and why when we go through the top moments, but I really found this episode to excel with its conversations, uh, namely conversations that stood out. Obviously, the ISB briefing, I love that opening scene. It was a, a perfect way to show 
how the empire was already overcompensating for this infringement by the now publicly announced. You got to like, you got to love Miro saying, you know what that was? That was an announcement. Yeah. Love it. Love this lady. I've got more on her later. This is one of my uh, kind of our new twist here. I, I've got some questions I want to ask Nick about to see where he's thinking. And I'm getting a lot of thoughts on her. Uh, so conversations there was great with you, Lauren, and just seeing the peons react to that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the the dialogue moments between Cassian and Marva were fucking deep. That second scene with them where he's begging her to leave. Oh, my God. Like, if you just... And I'll talk about more in the top moments, but if you, if you think about all the layers to that scene and what it means for the characters, my goodness, I teared up. Uh, it, it's just, I'm loving it. I mean, Andor, you, you want to call it not Star Wars or talky Star Wars, whatever, however you want to classify it. It's something that speaks to me, and I think it speaks to the lore lover of Star Wars to me more than anything else. Uh, it just the writing continues to be superb and it, it really has proven that you don't need the heavy hitters in Star Wars. Uh, it, it, as far as like, we don't even need to see the big fucking Star Destroyers. We, we could just have nothing but episodes full of scenes on planets and rooms and it would be entertaining to me. So announcement maintained Andor's excellence and it clearly kind of being the middle episode, I, I wouldn't agree with Tony that was very interesting, but it definitely, as we all found out, we knew going into last week that it, it is not, it, it wasn't kicking off a new arc. Yeah. That new arc is going to start tomorrow in episode eight. And it, it's very clearly the pieces have been moved in position to start that arc. We're, I mean, our homeboy is going to be in that prison we've probably seen, which is kind of cool to know now that it, he didn't infiltrate it. He got fucking arrested and put yeah, in jail, like, which okay. which may be may lead him closer to his ultimate path that we know he's going to follow. I mean, it, it's weird, Nick. I, I especially those scenes with Marva. You're like Cassian. Are you listening to your fucking mom? Do you hear what she's telling you? She's essentially saying because of what you did. I am renewed in my spirit and passion to rebel. Yeah. I can do things I haven't been able to do for years because of the fucking empire, because of what you did. I'm ready to fucking rock. And he's still like, let's get the fuck out of here. I want to run. I <laughs> Beautiful shit. But I, I love that Cassian isn't just a fucking mark for the rebels. I mean, I, he, they're, they're, he really is going to have to decide on his own. To become the hero he becomes, and I think that's fucking kick-ass. I, I I really felt by now that he'd be like, all right, sign me up. Fucking fuck the Empire. But no, he still has something within him where he's like, no, I, I don't want to be a part of this. This isn't me. I want to go to fucking Space Florida and, and bang chicks and go to the grocery store. Dude, I mean, uh, so. can you blame him, though? Like, think about what, ha like, what has come to fruition well, since he got mixed up with with the rebellion like oh, hey like, nick we I, don't we don't we don't have to talk about it marva said it herself she's yeah. like cassian i understand that this isn't your fight with yeah. what you've been through i get it pal i love you to death and i'd love you to stay but i love you enough to know that you've been through more shit than i have and i've got you know 30 years on you 
Yeah. I've yeah. lived, she's lived through the Clone Wars. She's lived through the fall of the Republic, the rise of the Empire. Clearly, Ferrix is a, a separatist planet now. That's That's been determined. And as we are seeing through the lens of this show, the separatists probably were the good guys the whole time. Ultimately, yeah. Like, you know, they, they under- were fighting against the oppressive republic who at that time was being controlled by a fucking sith lord exactly. so the separatists outside of grievous and watt and the banking clan and dooku like they were the, all fucking good guys yeah, they, they're the, the freedom fighters yeah the individual planets definitely had things like straight and then obviously yeah. they were under shitty leadership because you know you had dooku that was under the influence that basically was you know, running the separatist movement under the under the uh, instruction right, of was, Palpatine. Exactly. So, Palpatine's playing I mean, both sides of the war, obviously. You know, I, I still don't know how it justifies the opening three episodes in the flashback where Marva clearly on the separatist side was was calling separatist soldiers Republic like that. That still doesn't fucking make sense, and I don't know at this point how they're going to resolve that. But I don't even think they are, honestly. Like I, I don't think that they're gonna. It, just like, a mistake, huh? They're just like a. Just, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you know what? Who cares? I mean, I, I know some diehards will go nuts, and there's a part of me is like, yeah, that that's kind of fucked up. Like, how do you miss that? Maybe I'm still holding on to a little bit of hope. Because what did Marva say to Cassian? Quit looking oh. for your sister. Yeah, don't look so, for her anymore. At first, when that, she said that, and it transitioned right to that bedroom scene, I was like, oh, no, is he banging his sister by accident? <laughs> that was my first thought, honestly. Oh, no, he's another Skywalker. I was like, oh, he's shit, he's another he sister fucker. <laughs> his like, real name, what, what we're going to find out is Cassian's yeah. real name is it's it's Casa Targaryen. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> That's what it is. So he he's predestined to want to uh, yeah. fuck his siblings. Uh, as as they are oh, yeah. um but yeah i don't know i mean i it's just i i guess going through the clone wars did you ever i i guess i didn't i was always team republic because of the clones and the fucking 501 and anakin and rex yeah go 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 but if you think about it the yeah. republic was essentially going like hey you're not in the republic you need to be in the republic so we're gonna fucking essentially take you over and pull you into our umbrella yeah a lot a lot of free loving people they don't want to hear that they they don't they don't want to fucking i mean listen we're, we're fine by ourselves we don't fucking need your bureaucracy to be yeah. happy here on ferrix you know what i mean See, and i think too that like the jedi initially were very against like getting involved in the war like the the main like the primary members of the Jedi Council like did not jump at the idea of like them becoming battlefield generals. They were always like, "Look, man, we're like we are not connected to your government." Like the the, the Jedi Council was initially and always was supposed to be like this unaffiliated group of peacekeepers. That's just like, look, if if bad shit goes down in the galaxy, like real bad shit, not like your personal conflicts, like we will take care of that. But they were never, like, all gung-ho about, like, we got to get on the battlefield, war's going on, that, that is our place. So, from that perspective, like, the Jedi were right initially, but they were kind of forced into it. Like, they, they yeah. literally they were They didn't know. I mean, yeah. they were so full of hubris and, and just arrogance that, you know, dickhead, for 10 years prior, you got to remember, 
Palpatine took control ten years before the Clone Wars. Like did yeah. this, this wasn't something he just he took he he rose to power and was like Bing Bang Boom. I mean he he'd been plotting this all the way up through getting Valorum out of there. I mean Palpatine, we said it a thousand times. Kevin in the live stream has picked up on it too. Palpatine is one of the most brilliant manipulators. Villain. One of the most brilliant manipulative villains in all of pop culture. He actually fucking wins multiple times. He has multiple wins. He fucking takes out the Jedi Order. Win. Gets the Chosen One. Win. Takes over the galaxy. Win. Amen. Survives argue. being killed by the Chosen One who, who changed back to the light. Win. Started the First Order. Win. Cloned himself. Win. I mean, the guy had a, it was a damn near 100-year plan, and he executed it to a T. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can no say No other villain has accomplished like the, more. Uh, the sequel trilogy <laughs> bringing them back the way they did. Obviously, there, there are problems there, but like. That's a string of dubs that you can't really argue against. Like no, no other. Like I name one other more successful villain over that period of time. It just, yeah. I don't think you can find it. He I is one the of the. The only one that you could say like may have like the superior win is uh, Bane because Bane was like, look, it may not work for me while I'm around, but this rule of two thing, it's how it's supposed to go. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that because the land. <laughs> you're right. And it took how many more was it? I mean, thousands it like or hundreds years of years or something okay. like that. <laughs> but, you know, you are right. You are right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Without Bane, there would have never been a Palpatine because yeah. he probably would have been killed by either his yeah. his master or some other dude trying to claim the mantle. So, yeah, yes, you, you are correct. Like six other like wannabe Siths would have fucking jumped Palpatine, <laughs> cut his head off. But, you know, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, Palpatine for president, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> all right, good stuff there. Uh, I'm glad everyone is, is on board, but yeah, it is, it's weird to now think about it and, and it's always been true, but the Republic, they were the bad guys. They were the bad guys during the clone wars. A hundred percent. Not our heroes. Honestly, like, right. They didn't Not even know they were heroes. the bad guys. Exactly. So, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I know there's some of you clone bros out there probably like, you motherfucker, Rex is a saint. I love them too, but, but they were just like the Jedi. They were tools of Palpatine's plan to take over the galaxy and also have an army large enough to take out the Jedi order. Right. I mean, the, 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 the clone army for all intents and purposes was bred for order 66 and order 66 alone. It was nice to wear the Jedi order down over the three years and have some fatalities there. But he knew he needed a goddamn army to kill these space wizards en masse. And it happened. So, again, win for the Palpatine. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that, there's the review session. We both loved it. Of course we did. We're not stupid. Uh, now moving into the top moments. And then there are some good ones here. And like I said earlier, they, they all kind of revolved around dialogue scenes, which... To some of you, I know doesn't jive, and it, it, there's a part of me that feels bad for you. Um, there's a part of me that doesn't give a shit either, because as long as I like it, I honestly, I have, I, I know before, even even a year or two ago, I, I would have got worked up over people shit talking Star Wars. Hell, even during Obi Wan Kenobi, I would get a little pissy. I had that little little pissy time with one six shooter at one point. 
I, I don't give a fuck anymore. As long as I like it and I can talk to Nick about it and he doesn't piss me off, I'm good to go. So, so far, so good on Andor. Yeah. All right, top moments, starting with a fantastic little uh, Easter egg reference here. And that was the opening ISB briefing after we checked in with the Karn family. And we see none other than Commander. He's only Commander at this point in time, Wolf Ularin. Um, really a character that retroactively was in a new hope he's in the the table scene where vader chokes piggy boy yep uh but really kind of became a a fan favorite character and a a more fleshed out character via the clone wars and then star wars rebels when he is with the empire um but it, it, it's not so much Yularen showing up and and giving us a palpatine drop like you know how about him nick like he he's like hey my dick's bigger than Patagaz. watch yeah. this I've I talked to Palpatine, Palpatine personally. Yeah, he's yeah. like, hey, I'm fucking cooler than you. But it, it, like I said, it's, it's not the characters and the name drops. It was the the nature of the conversation and just revealing how over the top the Empire is going to react to Aldhani, which not only showed that they don't know what they're fucking doing, but it also showed that they were very, very surprised and caught off guard with that heist. Like, that is something they absolutely never thought could happen, which was fantastic. And the reason for their um, soon-to-be and already encroaching overreach on the galaxy. But, I mean, he's in there. He's like, I want your planetary response reports, your P-R-O-Ds, like... Palpatine this and we get that and you know it's funny to think and I don't know where timelines line up with the the Night of a Thousand Tears on Mandalore but you could argue that this the Aldhani heist and the fallout by the Empire could have been the reason why the ISB kind of became the main power force on Mandalore via Gideon and ended up just Greece in that place because you heard Yularen, he's like, listen, Palpatine now said we are the fucking, we are the department. Yeah. We'll get Navy resources when we want them. We'll get Army resources when we want them. The ISB is now driving the show. We, we're the ones that are going to be running operations from here on out. So I wonder, Nick, and like I said, I, I'm not sure of the timeline, but I bet it does uh, line up because in Rebel Season 4, Mandalore was still a thing. Bo-Katan had the Darksaber. All that fragmentation hadn't happened yet. So I really do think yeah. this is probably in line. And this event, the Alhani heist, is more than likely one of the reasons why Mandalore ends up getting glassed. And, you know, Gideon gets to kind of take control of it because he was ISB on Mandalore. Yeah, I'm no, almost positive he was ISB on Mandalore, and I, I think he probably got that power via this proclamation. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, this seems kind of like a sweeping type of uh, deal where if you have any suspicion of rebel activity, you can use this to essentially oh, yeah. do whatever you want. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, this this had direct impact on Space Florida and Cassian's situation because here he's like, listen— we're now changing penalties for X, Y, and Z. And oh, by the way, for people that are already locked up, I want you to reevaluate their sentencing. Essentially saying, let's keep them in longer yeah. now. Lock them up more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so 
this the 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 heist gave the ISB the green light to kind of become the 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 arbiters of the of the retribution against the galaxy not just rebels i mean this is a full on press to the whole galaxy at this point in time to kind of in their opinion it's like hey if we bring down the fucking hammer they'll get back in line where we know and as mira reveals which another great scene with her age she's like listen motherfucker this is the complete wrong way to handle this you know what that was that wasn't an announcement that was the rebels pounding their chest and i think we talked about this last week that mission wasn't yeah they needed the cash but it was more of a based on luthan's reaction it was more of a hey we're fucking here this is what we can do and you better watch the fuck out and oh by the way all you other cells out there it's on you know what i mean Let, let's fire up the corn song and fucking do it it is on yeah. Uh, so Miro once again shows that she knows a lot more than her superiors, her colleagues, you name it. There's something about this lady. Yeah, no, I mean, she and, has a really good sense of things. All right, let, let's just, I'm going to get into one of my questions right now okay. since we're on Miro. And things we know about Miro, we, we know she came from what? It, combat division, essentially. Yep. Uh, Padigas also said, oh, you, your unique background, your inner, your interesting background or something like that. And I don't think that was in reference to her being in, in the army or whatever. What okay. say you just based on how, you know, she, she clearly thinks differently than everyone else in the ISB. And for that part, the empire, is there any chance that this is Cassian's sister? It was a thought that went through my head for a second, but you would really like she like she just looks so different than. Well, yeah, kids. I mean, the, the, the hair is a big giveaway, but, you know, maybe she dyed it. Maybe it's yeah. another one from the plant, but it just Even she like doesn't the, like the skin's different. Like if you if you're just looking at like the kids and like the when you saw Cassie and sister as a kid, like you would have had to like have some serious like changes done to your body to look like Miro if you originally look like Cassian's sister. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you know, we, it's, it is fiction. We, we probably could get there if we needed to. I just, I feel like she knows so much about how rebels think and what they do and why they do it. It just feels like she has come from a place of, of, of either rebellion or persecution, uh, needing to kind of skid around authority. She, she doesn't have that built-in arrogance of, of being from like an inner rim planet and, yeah. and being diehard empire. It's just like her life and what she's gone through has enabled her to think differently than anyone else in the ISB and the empire. And I'm just wondering, like is she from canary i mean here's here's in my head like listen they, you know that event goes down the republic or at that time maybe the empire they know they got to do something they go and they try to clean it up they find some of these kids they kidnap them maybe get them into their system teach them their ways yada 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 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I'm with you, dude. She, she doesn't look like the little kid. It would be a stretch. Maybe it could be another one of the kids that lived on Canari. I just feel like... I think that she's we're, definitely we're, an Imperial defector. Or not like a rebellion. Like one of the earliest rebel defectors. I'll put it that way. Like Okay. Like she may have been like a part of a rebel cell and then like switched over to the empire for some reason. I, I do think that she was involved, like directly involved with the rebellion in some way, even for like, so I definitely agree with you there that like, that may be like the, like the, the kitsch to her, like, you know, unique background. Um, it would be interesting. Like I, I almost am going to venture out and say like, I wouldn't like it if, she was Cassian's sister, but I mean, it doesn't, it's not too far off, especially given the way that Marvel was like, stop looking for your sister. She's dead. Yeah. Like, Marvel know. clearly like, knows something is up with his sister yeah. and it would, it would make sense if the thing that was, you know, up with his sister is that she was working for the empire in some way. Um, Th- That's what I mean. It, I just, it, it, there, there's too many things like too many I guess warning signs about her that there's a there. I don't know. I just feel like she's connected to him somehow. I don't know why. And and I do. It, it's almost like a reverse take on the Skywalker twins, where you know they were separated at birth, but they were raised by not fuck faces. Here's an example where they're they're separated young. One raised by essentially rebel spirits, or at least Marva. I don't think Clem was a rebel, to be honest with you. Uh, and then you had the other who potentially could have been raised on an, uh, an Imperial planet uh, yeah. or a stronger Imperial presence or by an Imperial herself. And then they, they kind of meet each other at this crossroads where she's hunting them down. He's trying to stay away from the empire. They cross paths and then it clicks like, Oh fuck. Like I know you. Yeah. I the, know the, you. I, I don't know. I, I that yeah. was just one of my, like I said, it, I, I'm not giving it a hundred percent take it to the bank, but I just, I feel somehow, some way she's going to be connected to his, his past or the movement. No. Yeah. I think that you're, you're, I don't think you're far off, but I, yeah, like I'm just struggling. Like I'm also kind of like, she is somebody, she is somebody who was either connected to the rebellion at a time or maybe even connected to Cassian at a time unknown to Cassian. Um, but I'm just struggling to figure out like, what is the best way to have that connection come to fruition? Because I, I really don't think that the best way to do that is the sister angle. I, like, well, I mean, here's, here's counter to that theory. Um, we know from trailers that it, it could be this episode coming up. The next ISB meeting, they're going to have Cassian's fucking headshot on the yeah. hollow projector. I mean, that, that I'm not spoiling anything. It's, it's in a September 21st trailer that I'm actually going to talk about here after our Easter eggs. Cause I think we have some other interesting things in another potential ISB defection on our hands, not Miro, another ISB officer. But yeah, I don't know. I just, there's something to her that isn't just, I just don't think it's her own personal ambition. She just, the way she thinks is so much differently than everyone else in that room. And it's like, why? I mean, if she was always empire, there's no way she's going to be thinking the way she does. She had to have lived a, a, a different upbringing 
to her peers. And, yeah. you know, maybe that's why Patagas said, well, your unique background, because I, uh, I really don't think it was because she was in combat. I just I think it's more that more to that. So who knows? Well, I get well, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but you are right. It is. That ISB scene are like, hey, this is fucking Cassie and Andor. I mean, they know that it, it, we, we, we've heard his record read. He is, he's been he was arrested as a kid. For that flashback we saw, where we saw him running with the pipe towards the clones. That, for anyone that didn't realize, that was young Cassa being upset after what yeah. happened to Clem. So, yeah. um, well, there's one. Black Series Clips said Miro could be Luthen's daughter. Hmm? Could be. That, that's not a bad, that's not a bad yeah, But also, either. like, that would, again, like, the, the line that Patagaz says, your unique background would assume like that leads me to assume that she's coming from somewhere where Patagaz knew or like the Imperial institution knew that like, this is different. As far as we know, Imperials have no idea that, that Luthen is running the rebellion. Like as far as well, we they know, die, they it, think yeah. that he's some sort of fucking, oh, yeah. you know, dealer of fine goods. Uh, and yeah. Shit I, like I that. don't think, I don't think at this point, Luthen's even closely on their radar. No, I mean, I, no. they're not even close to that. So, yeah. So I don't know if her being Luthen's daughter would be like, Oh, you have a unique background. It's like a unique background in what fucking collecting antiques. Like, yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that one necessarily. Fits. That's what I mean. I just feel like she's like one of these, these orphan kids that got picked up and, you yeah. know, nature versus nurture. That, it, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Nature versus nurture. I, I, I think she was probably or, an orphan like Cassian, picked up by Imperials instead of freedom fighters, and, and here we go. Yeah. That, that's how I you mean, get the these thing is, paths. is like you can look at her fucking hair and tell that it's dyed. Like you can just like just in the images, like you can see that her hair is That's dyed. what I mean. Like I'm so telling like, you, maybe it's I, po- it's I like- don't think if this ends up being a reality, first and foremost, I want everyone to post their own YouTube videos, Instagram stories and be like, Matt fucking Haywood called this on 1025. Someone send him a fucking medal. Okay. So everyone write that down, set an alarm. But yeah, I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. But that was one of my first, as I call them thoughts, I guess speculative thoughts was was Miro so now continuing on with with top moments here and the theme of dialogue right dialogue <laughs> scenes and the next great one to me was the Luth and Mon meeting and these two actors when they're together pull off the the, the best acting in any any Star Wars it's not even close like Genevieve and, and Stellan together are just something beautiful to watch okay let me just say that but what i really enjoyed about this scene is that it firmly firmly establishes that luthan is the fucking man like he is the boss he, he doesn't take shit from mon in fact he he piles shit on the her essentially he's like listen i can't trust you and how you want to get money and the circle shit i had to do what i had to do we needed the cash, and it's time to fucking essentially make our announcement. We're out there. Yes, people are going to die. Yes, the galaxy is now going to suffer more than it was. But that's what we need, and you know I'm fucking right. And that, I mean, that's a summary of the conversation. But that, that's why I love it. It's just like he establishes the authority. He is the guy. 
Like yep. I think we can now say with 100% confidence, Luthen Rael is the grandfather of the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. yeah he definitely. is the dude. Yeah, Saul has been doing his partisan shit literally since the end of the Clone Wars. But he was clicky, siloed. He wasn't going out trying to expand and, as Luthen said here, create the network. You know what I mean? So Luthen created that network and he reassured Mon, like, listen, now was the time. The network is up. I have given you the network. Yep. Now we need to do something. And you know, and you knew when you signed on to this, the bad shit was going to happen. So get over it, sweet tits, and get me some more cash. So it was just a great scene. And then obviously, Clea, who, who I still think is the real boss at this point in time, is just sitting back there listening to it all. <sighs> all right. Next top moment, if you will. What do you know? Another dialogue scene. And that, this one was between Clea and Vel. And I, I like this one, Nick, because, like I said, it, it establishes Clea. If anything else, as Luthen's equal. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they're equal. If not, she truly is the boss. But I also liked it because it showed, again, like y- you were alluding to, I mean, bad shit happens on, on both sides in a conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and she's essentially saying the Val, who cleans up nicely, by the way. Am I right? Anyone else? Think she, Val, like at first know? when they walked up to her, I was like, oh, who's that? And then they, like I didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that's Vel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vel, like I said, making herself look pretty snazzy. I liked her rugged look, too. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong, but... She's um, got a dress for the high society of Coruscant's life, though. She can't be walking around there with her, uh, you know, her, yeah. her outdoor... So, I, I thought the the interesting angle to this conversation was Clay is already going to, yep, it's time to tie up some loose ends, motherfucker. Did you blow up the ship? Yep. Well, what about that Clem guy who is casting Andor? He needs to die too. So Luthen is even more ruthless and and more able to use humans as tools than we see even Cassian uh, grow into. So uh, I guess, you know, you you mess with the best, die like the rest, and he seemingly is going to learn from this man. Uh, And we know Cassian's quick on the trigger, but man, uh, all the... Knowing that Luthen himself said, hey, I broke protocol to get Cassian Andor. Yeah. Uh, he, he almost got killed to get Cassian Andor. So to think of all the sacrifice he did to get this man and the research he put into it, and now he's just like, eh, fuck it, let's kill him. It, it's, it's ruthless, man. The rebels, you know, on the surface, you know, they're puppy dogs and ice cream, but underneath to get shit done, they are fucking ruthless, just as ruthless as the Empire. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to be can't, you know, can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. But like Luthen knows that the people Well, one, he knows that the people that were a part of that mission are the heat is on. Like if anybody saw your face who's still alive, the heat is on and you better fucking, you know, have your shit together. You better be able to disappear. Or you better have. And good what's cover. he most concerned about, Nick, them knowing what's he most concerned about them knowing? I mean, what'd he, she say? If they know him, that's it. Like if yeah. she pretty much says like, listen, Cassian knows Luthen. He needs to go. And that's what yeah. it is. It's like once someone that is not in the circle is yeah. meets, meets Luthen and knows his true identity, 
they're fucking dead. They're marked. You, you got to kill them. And then, you know, Which, so like it was also interesting to find out in, in like this exchange that like Cinta was supposed to stay there. So, well, hey, that was one thing we were like, what are they, are they just going to leave that a plot hole? I'm glad that they actually did check in on Cinta and she does seem to have a plan. She, yeah. She's going somewhere. And as we called it, she, she saw the Star Destroyer. So all that shit's about to happen. Uh, but it, they did address that, and I, I appreciate that. But, yeah, I mean, everyone had a job. Uh, she even, you know, it was great, and this just further proves that Skeen was always a scumbag. She's like, hey, we we had our concerns about Skeen, but the problem took care of itself. So yeah. <laughs> they, they knew he was a shithead from, from day one. So those of you that think he was just testing Cassian, once again, I wonder how your brain works when you watch TV. Uh, it's like I love my man Howard Stern, but when he talks about how he can't follow shows like Andor or House of the Dragon, I'm like, bro, really? Like, we're we're not getting into you know War and Peace or, or the Silmarillion <laughs> where it's all over the place. Like, it's pretty fucking clear what's yeah, happening. It's but anyway, all right, I, I got a few thoughts on this one for you. The fact that Vel is so comfortable and able to just show up on Coruscant. Does that strengthen any sort of notion that she is re- possibly related to Luthen? Like she even says, that, like, "Where's he at?" Like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like if anybody, if no is, one wants to kill her. She clearly knows Luthen better than anyone. She's not yeah. Mark. So, I mean, what, what do you think? She's, she's. I think clearly in the circle, which I want to yeah. talk about in a little bit. But is there a relation to Luthen? You think at this point? That was that was kind of my thought is like she may be Luthen's daughter, like or like some in some way related to Luthen, like close with Luthen outside of just like the rebellion itself, because the one, the familiarity that she had with Luthen, even when he first showed up with Cassian on Aldani was like to a level that we haven't seen yet before outside of. Oh, yeah, it it wasn't. Um, Nick, it to me, I don't know how it was to you, but but it wasn't it wasn't contentious from a superior to subordinate standpoint. Mm-mm. It did feel more familial. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like, like when the, your kid is exactly. eighteen and like starts to push back against you. Yeah. And is like because well, at one point fuck? he Yeah. He's like, listen, do what the fuck I say, essentially yeah. is what he says. Like, listen yeah. to me, young lady. You're gonna do what I fucking tell you. Yeah, or you're so, grounded. I could see it. And that does give her access into the Coruscant, you know, high society. And that does explain why she's like, you know, you would figure like, it's not easy for people who grew up destitute to like mix into a high society. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my point. That was my point. Exactly. So like the way that she can just flip the switch and now she's in high society Coruscant mode, like that makes me believe that, she was a part of this society to begin with and that she just can reintegrate very easily. Yeah. So, I'm with you where, where all the other ones I think were recruited for what they were needed for. But Val, yeah. I, I believe is well, closer to Rael than, than we have been led to believe. Yeah. Like the crew for the Aldani missions, almost like if you've ever seen oceans 11, when they go through, put the crew together, they're like, exactly. all right, we need a bag man. We need a driver. Yep. We need a tech yep. guy. We need a, this guy. And that's what he was doing, but he had like, you know, his, whoever Vel is, daughter, whoever at the head, like I got my, my person at the head. And then we just fill in all of the things that we need with whoever the fuck is out there. Yeah. So, so 
So I don't I don't think Miro is Luthen, but I, Val for a Luthen relation is is looking very strong at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save my my next thought on Clea for the Easter egg breakdown because there's some other symbolism going on with her that could tie into another faction that we all know and possibly love. But I'll save that for the eggs. So there's your tease. Make sure to stay tuned. Don't change the channel. Okay, uh, next moment of note, and, you know, in the trailers, I, I kind of identified this Tay Colma as Mon's husband, but it's not. It seems to be a childhood friend who clearly wishes he was banging her. I kind of got those <laughs> vibes. I think I think if she's like, hey, man, Perrin's a loser. Do you want to go in my room and get it on real quick? Like I was going to say, I feel we like they kids? both want to bang each other, but they uh, yeah, also like, know that yeah. that can't happen. <laughs> so. Yeah, and uh, once again, Genevieve O'Reilly, just a a sex kitten. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> help it. Women with, with red hair, auburn hair, whatever you want to call it, it, it they do something to me. And <laughs> Genevieve being, uh, I think she's, she's like 44 or something. She just, she looks like a goddess in these, these gowns they put her in. And I, I absolutely love her like popping wood left and right, but that's <laughs> not the reason this is a, a top moment. Not at all. I'm not that big of a Neanderthal. I, I really, Nick, again, the theme of dialogue and scenes in this episode, all great. This was the next one. What I liked about this is I, I think we, we kind of saw Mon starting to transition into a rebel leader. Uh, th- this to me felt like the first time where she was going out on a limb on her own to recruit versus Luthen taking care of all that stuff. And, and I just, I liked the way she handled the party. Like, hey, you know, walk with me and just keep smiling. It's, yeah. it's like she was teaching Tay the same lessons that Luthen probably taught her when they first established that they were going to start conspiring together. Like, Hey, when you're in my shop, always act bubbly, always smile. Even if we're talking about babies being murdered, just keep smiling. Cause you never know who's watching. And she eventually gets them to a place where they can, you know, kind of really get to the crux of the conversation. And for the first time in this series, I feel like we, we saw the leader Mon yeah. come forward where she kind of took charge and it's it's to me she took that meeting with Luthen the heart where he kind of chastised her. He's like, "Listen, Mon, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. The party has started. There are no more rules." And when he said that, she was like, "All right, you're gonna fucking tell me I suck and I take too long to get cash. No more rules, you say? All right, well I'm gonna go ahead and fold in the guy that I wanted to bring in the circle a few episodes ago and you yelled at me about, and that is yeah. Take Homa." And um, clearly she needs him to get her cash. But if you listen to Tay, his politics are very much in line with the soon to be fully formed rebel alliance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it might have caught her off guard or at least made it easier for her to have this conversation with him after he more or less said, hey, wink, wink. I don't think you and I align because you're a senator on Coruscant and you hang out with these fuck faces, including your douchebag wannabe samurai husband, Perrin. What's wild to me is that she would have even have this conversation within her own home because you have to imagine that this house is bugged. Like she's she 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 confirmed that 
that uh, the driver is ISB. Like, she now yeah. knows that her new driver is a fucking spy. Well, yeah. I mean, like, she literally lists to this dude, like, all the ways that she's being spied on or followed. But then you're in your house with, like, within earshot of people who are loyal to the Empire just having this conversation on a fucking sofa. Like, yeah. do you not, like... <laughs> I don't know if they don't bug houses in Star hey, Wars, but like no more on. rules. It's no like, holds bar. Mon Mothma. She's yeah. going to like get her fucking wrestling costume out. Get a spike <laughs> collar. She don't give a fucking shit anymore. Wild, man. Like that. She, she literally didn't. She's like, fuck this man. It's like in my house. Do you want to be a part of the rebel Alliance? She might've just more, fucking yeah. yelled it. <laughs> like, do you more or wanna? less. Yeah. yeah. Gets a megaphone. Like hear ye, hear ye. I am here to form the Rebel Alliance. I am working with Luthen Rael and yeah. the people from Albhani. Yeah, it's that as well. was me. But- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nah, but hey, like I said, it, it was another just well-written scene. It, it, it built tension from start to finish where she was trying to feel Tay out. She felt what she wanted to feel, not including his chubby. But then once she realized, like, okay, I think this this guy might be safe, I'm going to go ahead and kind of take the next step towards becoming the leader of the Rebel Alliance. Which at this point, Nick, it's clear she has to become that because uh, Luthen is, is going away, but he may be even a little too extreme for the Alliance at large, or at least the, the way we see it managed once she takes over right before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, I mean... Um, He's a little I, more Saul Guerrera than than Mon Mothma or, or Sato or Phoenix Crew. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, he has his own way of doing things, and he has like he's not going to listen to anybody. Like he's essentially like, I'm running this shit. If you have a problem with it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and you know what? He probably shouldn't because he's built a network and has not been caught or killed. Yeah, I mean, and he fucking he pulled single-handedly off. did this all by like yeah. I mean, you could see that he was trying to get Mon to do shit. Like, hey, look, you have a shitload of money in this family trust of yours. Give me some of it so I can get this stuff up and running. And she's like, oh, well, I got to say, I got to call my banker guy. I got to do this. I got to do that. And he's like, well, fuck you. I'm I'm scared. Yeah, I'm going to get 80 million credits on my own. I don't care. Using (laughs) using what? Five people that never worked together before. And he plans on icing four of them. Like, he's like, (laughs) he is. I mean. (laughs) It's, I'm hoping when we see the Saul, the Saul Guerrero scene, like like Luthen walks in and Saul's like, "Oh shit, motherfucker! Like you, oh, you're no. too hardcore for even me, yeah. man. Get out of here, Borgali! Borgali! Who else wants the Borgali in in we Andor? Need to right? See it. We need to like, what if it's just sitting there chilling this time? Like, you, know, you just see him like, like eating. Uh, in the, yeah, in the and it's like talking. <laughs> uh, um, homeboy Saul turns around. He's like, "Hey, hey, Luthen, I want you to meet my friend Bor Borgali." And he goes, "Hey, yeah. Luthen, how you doing?" Just like that, like it's just yeah, fucking know, casual. Right. Oh man, that'd be great. Man, Forrest Whitaker. I, I still will never understand his portrayal of Saul Guerrero in Rogue One. Like he was way the fuck out there he was like at that point he was like brain fried he lost so many limbs he couldn't even think straight oh yeah (laughs) he was more machine than man and he was definitely smoking some crack because you know the board got like go forrest go i mean whatever that's how you interpret it i guess (laughs) okay so moving on with our dialogue heavy episode and the one that i teased earlier and, and honestly I, I did get emotional with with this scene, and, and I'm talking about the second scene with Marva, where, where Cassie and he's met with Bix, and he comes back, 
And he's like, listen, I, I got the money. We can finally get out of here, live in peace. And she, she just rejects him. But it's, it's her words and the way she explains her choice to him. It was, it was beautiful. And like I said earlier, it's just like, dude, listen to what your mom's saying. Like this lady you love and you would definitely die for. Listen to what she is saying. She is telling you because of that heist mission and hearing it around the galaxy, she is already seeing those that, you know, were, were doing their little rebellions and ringing their bells to all pull together on Ferrix. They have a new sense of confidence. They have a new sense of hope. She recounted that tale of, I haven't been able to walk through Rick's, Rick's Square ever since they hung your father. I go the long way. These days, I walk through it with my head, my head held high. Yep. Uh, I was talking with Bat, and Bat's like, dude, I could see Marva jumping on top of B2 with two guns in her hands and riding <laughs> it into the garrison going, for the rebellion! It's like, yeah. that's, that's how fucking amped up she was. So for me, Nick, when I'm watching this, it was, it was sad. The emotion to me was sad because she, she's more or less begging to, and pleading with Cassian, like, listen, man, this, this is a good thing. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what the galaxy needs. Fuck these people. I'm going to stay here and fight. And he just keeps rejecting her. And it, it, was, it was sad to me. It, it was sad for Marva and what she's experiencing with her son. It was sad for me, for Cassian, that he's just... In his head, he's so far removed from wanting to fight the good fight. For whatever reason, his upbringing, his sister mystery... Or he just doesn't care. He, he's seen too many, as he said, the partisans, the seps, the rebel cells. They've all failed. They do nothing. They can't affect major change on the Empire. But Marv is telling him, they have. They've finally done it. That mission Little, proves that we yeah. can do this. Not Yet he still he is like, yeah. That, that, that was the other thing, Nick. It's yeah. just all that. As the viewer, we know this all. And, and I just like, Marva, he did it. He did it. Honestly, if it weren't for him, they wouldn't have done it. Like your son like, did something amazing. You could see for a second too, that he was like thinking about set telling her like I, but he like held himself back. But yeah. And he was like, he wasn't angry, but you could tell he, he was frustrated. He's like, listen, mom, I don't understand you right now. Like you are making no sense. So that was the other be beautiful aspect of the scene. He is still so, so far out from getting it from from understanding his role in overthrowing the empire he wants nothing to do with it i mean look at the, his mom makes a heartfelt plea and and does excuse him she's like i get it if you want to get out of here what does he do he goes to fucking florida to get laid yeah man. like he doesn't give a fuck his mom's saying i am gonna die for the rebellion and he's like all right i don't understand you see you later i'm gonna go get my dick wet that hey, that man. was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I but th th this scene is what makes the the Nemo stuff almost shocking. Like, really, dude? This is this is what you're choosing to do. This is where you're going to hide. You're going to hide on like a fucking beach casino planet. What's wrong with you? Dude, he like I could see it from his angle though. Like, you got to think that this kid was literally like a tribe kid, uh, on Canary. He's it's also on the run still, by the way. Yeah. I think we all forget that. Like, he is a yeah. wanted man. So. Yeah, like, like, well, if anything, we learned when he was talking to Bix, like, they're after your ass. And, like, not even in regards to what you, like, 
which she doesn't know that you've done, like not even in regards to the Aldani mission, just re- in regards to what you did here, uh, like like here on Morlana, uh, on Ferrix, like in Morlana 1, like all that shit, like they're after you for that. Plus now he knows that they're going to be after him for all, like once they find out he was involved in Aldani, they're like, this dude is fucking public enemy number one. But yeah, from his perspective, he's like, I was on, I was in a shit situation when I was on Canari. I got rescued by Marva and have continued to be in like, like a slightly better situation. Like I have a house to live in and I have, you know, like a family in essence that raised, but me, he's but always like, owned people money and yeah, this, and he like, just, he always feels like he's not getting to do what he wants yeah. to do. And I now mean, that he's got the this cash type of shit. Like when you, like even in real life, when you see like death, like people who are destitute that like come into money, whether it be by hook or by crook, like if they win the lottery or if they like score a big, like if they start dealing drugs and like score a bunch of money, like this is what they do. Like, they buy expensive cars. They go on these lavish vacations and shit yeah, like they're, that. They're not, just to, they're not the smartest of yeah, people. Yeah, like just to experience it, just to be like, hey, yeah. for once in my life, I want to stay at the most expensive hotel room and eat food that's not fucking shitty and like. True. I take, mean, that, that like does. Just the way that he looked at the shower, he was like, oh my God, like hot running water. What? Like. I could, I like, I get it from his perspective. He, like, he this grabbed himself just, a good looking hooker too. I mean, yeah, let's I mean, not he be, found a, let's not overlook that. I mean, he, yeah, he wasn't true. skimping on that. True. True. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I found this to probably one of the most emotional scenes in all of Andor up until this point, at least for me or me and, and Jamie Guzman here in the, in the live stream chat, it, it hit me for some reason. It, I think it was for all the elements we talked about. Uh, but it, it shows, once again, how well these scenes are are scripted. It's just, it's great stuff. Fiona, fantastic job acting. Oh, yeah. And really showing her strength and, obviously, Diego. Um, so, Nick, I, I, sure, Cassian's life and all of his experience definitely are one of the reasons why, or many reasons why, he's not eager to be a, a rebel. But honestly, and I want—I want to say this now, so I don't forget when we get to the Easter eggs. I—I I think the biggest reason he sees no reason in in rebelling is through his father Clem and that scene we got to see. Because if you notice in that flashback, he was still a boy. They were just showing him standing there. Yeah. That's called artistic stuff, my friends. Clem, what what was Clem trying to do? But Clem was just trying to help, like tell them to literally stop. stop. Like, hey, you're making it worse. Stop. He and literally then, says, "This is not our fight. Stop, yeah. stop." So Clem, I honestly think, is the main reason why Cassian's so anti-rebelling because he saw as a kid, his dad tried to do the right thing, try to stop the citizens who were fucking throwing shit at the clones, saying, "Boo, get out of here, fuck you, Republic," because. Clearly, Farrick's separatist. And he ends up, Clem ends up getting hung for that. They don't yeah. show it, but we see him hanging when Cassian charges the clone garrison with his pipe and gets himself thrown in jail and ultimately on, on Mimbom. But I think he, he saw through Clem, like, look, Clem was, and we could, we could say this about Clem all the way back to the flashback. Clem didn't want to fuck with the kid. Clem was just there. Let's do the job and get out. Yeah, Marva like, is the one that. Him. Yeah, yeah, Marva's the, the the do-gooder, the one that always wants to go the extra step to do the right thing. Clem's more like the Cassian we see now, the adult class Cassian. Yeah, I don't want to get involved because it's going to lead to bad things, and I think he draws on that that experience with Clem 
uh, getting hung for not wanting to fight. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that would stop anybody from wanting to be, like, to see your only father figure in life be hung for literally trying to stop people from right. that, rebelling. That, <laughs> like, that's going to imprint on a young kid's mind, because he was yeah. probably still only 12, 13 yeah, I mean, at best. Yeah, early and teens, for sure. Y- your dad, you see, he he's trying to almost quell a rebellion, and he paid, he, you know, he, he paid the ultimate price for it. So yeah. that, that's really, I mean, yeah, Cassian's experience sucked in life. But I, I think that the thing with Clem, as it affected Marva until Cassian did his thing, I, I really think it's still affecting Cassian. All yeah. right. Final top moment happens to be another scene. And this was a quick one, but, uh, you know, she's my girl. I've been talking about her since episode one, and that's Miro. And I really dug the scene at the end where she gets that win. And, you know, really kind of gets a fuck you to Blevins. And uh, honestly, I think, Nick, the best part is when Patagaz demisses everyone. He's like, Miro, you're with me. And all he wanted to say with her is, hey, good on you, but fucking watch your back. Yeah. So this guy, again, like he, it's almost like he favors her and, and loves the way she operates that because it is so unlike everyone else in the ISB. So it's like he, he knows a lot more about her past than he's probably letting on to us. And, and surely that we have learned at this point in time. Uh, but, but he knows what's up. Like he knows that, that she's special. Clearly she's ruffling the feathers of her colleagues at this point. Got a big win. Blevins lost a sector to her, uh, to them. It seems like sectors are, that's their, that's their clout, right? In ISB, yeah, like, the more well, sectors have you have, the more power sectors. you have. This guy's only got two sectors. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, he clearly respects Miro and how she operates, and he's almost protective of her, which is also unique for a character like Patagaz. Yeah. Uh, you saw what he did to poor Jung. I mean, Jung's like, shit, man, I didn't get my TPS reports done on time. He's like, oh, yeah, well, now you got to fucking do the reports for every hyperspace route going into Ord Mantel, and I want it on my desk tomorrow. So yeah. he is a ball buster. Failure. Okay, so those are top moments. Uh, I'll save my other thoughts. Yeah, we'll save those for the Easter eggs. Okay, so... Easter eggs, they were definitely itchy, sketchy at best, but I, I try to find a few things <laughs> to, to talk about to scrape in, <laughs> in 60 seconds or less to keep it at a short length here. Uh, but there were a few. Obviously, the big one right from the get-go, and, and, and if you didn't have captions on, you probably missed it, but the Wolf Yularn, obviously a huge reference to a character that has uh, retroactively been in Star Wars for 50 years. I mean, he's he's in a new hope. He's he's the the guy with the mustache and the whites sitting at the table on the Death Star and he dies on the Death Star more than likely. All right. So that was a good one there. Believe it or not, Luthen shop was not done yet giving up Easter eggs because we saw this week there was a Jedi Temple guard mask. The exact one you saw Kane and Jairus wear at one point in time was uh, sitting in his house of wares. So that was a, a nice little nod. I figured at this point we have, we'd exhausted his shop, but maybe he got new inventory in. You never know. You never know. Okay, moving right along, and this is one we may spend a little bit of time on. All right, Nick, so when Clea goes to meet Vel, 
there's this circle symbol with a line through it left on the floor to kind of how I interpret it, like, guide her to yeah, like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm here. Go this way. Yeah, exactly. So I thought about some other circle symbolism in star Wars. I thought about Clea's red robe, red hooded garb. And I just had to bring it up and ask you, is this the, do you think this is the, the circle that Luthen and Mon were talking about? Or could we potentially be getting mixed up with a Crimson Dawn agent in Clea? That's a good question. Um, it's because before you get into it, this symbol is not 100% the Dawn symbol, but it's pretty fucking close. Yeah. The, the Crimson Dawn angle here, I feel like, I feel like if this was not a show by Tony Gilroy, like if somebody else had done it, then I feel like there was, there, there'd be more of a chance for that angle to come in. Okay. That being said, we, we have seen him be a little bit more, I don't want to say call, I don't want to call it loose, but like he's been a, a little bit more willing to bring in characters that we didn't think that he was going to use. Like there, there was no reason for us to think that he would bring in Ular and like, and, and he did and, and same for, for other characters as well. I I, t- I tend to believe that this may be more of a symbol of like the like the circle that you mentioned. The circle, like the, okay. Yeah, the circle, not necessarily Crimson Dawn, um, but I, you know, it's Star Wars. Everything's interconnected in some way, shape, or form. So it wouldn't be out of the realm. Like if they did reveal that, like, oh yeah, you know, like Crimson Dawn is somehow involved in this as well, and like they, because it is in their mutual benefit to like, you know. And it, it, it's lining up to current comic canon, too. I mean, Crimson Dawn has done a lot more for the Rebel Alliance than yes. we ever knew. They're, they're no mean, friend to the Empire either. So, like, right. it, it would line and, up. Okay. So, like I said, if we run with the Crimson, here, here's where I kind of get the Crimson Dawn angle. Symbol close, not 100%. Clay is red garb, the hood, and just the way she carries herself. I mean, as I've been saying, she is Luthen's equal or above him, or connected to someone above him. And usually when we talk about who are you connected with or having connections, we're getting into underworld territory. Yeah. All right? Crimson Dawn at this point in time would more than likely be in control or under the control of Kira. Uh, Maul, is, I, I think he's on his spirit walk now, you know, where he's, he gets a little goofy, ends up in, yeah. on the, that, that Sith temple on Malachor and... The rest is history. And from the comics, both, you know, the, the, the War of the Bounty Hunters and then uh, Crimson Reign and soon to be Hidden Empire, we have learned that, that Kira, using Crimson Dawn, infiltrated the Rebel Alliance, the Empire, the, the Hut Cartel, you name it. She was everywhere. And she uses her resources to benefit the Rebels while also taking some shit from them. Yes, like sir. she... She ultimately is the reason why the rebels weren't able to get Han Solo back in Carbonite before he made the Jabba's palace. So she's still a very morally gray character. Yeah. But we also learn that her end game with Crimson Dawn and this, you know, I guess these are spoilers for comics that are well over a year old, but her end game with Crimson Dawn in the hidden empire is to, to take down Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. She knows yeah. they're Sith. She knows they're bad news. Learned a lot of this through Maul. And that she's using all of her resources in the Empire and the Rebel Alliance and the other cartels to do this. 
And just as recently as Star Wars number 28, we learned some new canon that it was 100% Kira's Crimson Dawn agents that were in the Empire that revealed to the Rebels that the Empire were building a second Death Star. So it's not as far as a stretch to correlate Crimson Dawn with the early movement of the Rebel Alliance. So that's kind of where I was going that way. Also, if you're thinking about how do you form a network of people like thank you do you exactly. think that fucking luthan just like found that's random all crime syndicates people? are our underground yeah. networks so. yeah like it's like luthan didn't just like go around to random planets and be like hey are you interested in the rebellion here like, yeah. give me a pamphlet get back to me or no, like like he, like he has super google and be like i need a great yeah. pilot oh yeah cassian andor yeah, he's like, on ferrix so, no, he, he's getting intel from somewhere, and a lot of yeah. times this intel's coming from shady sources, yeah. shadow organizations. And dude, especially like e- even outside, like just his cover, like his cover as an antiques dealer, like he probably like antiques dealers get shit from shady places too. Like you know, yeah, you can't come across some of the shit that he has in his store just by like bumming around to different markets on different like planets and shit like that exactly some of this stuff is like like you said this temple guard fucking helmet like like or even I mean, like bro, some of these bro, he has weapons. he has star killers sith armor yeah like in his full shop. outfit of armor <laughs> like <laughs> so he's definitely involved in the underworld whether it be through his legitimate business as a as an antiques dealer and more than likely got this network like framework built out through like underworld contacts and Using crime syndicates. Okay. So, so uh, even if it's not Crimson Dawn and we just go back to the circle, I, I don't think, it, uh, again, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that the circle itself may be involved in underground underworld type of activity. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, dealing with, sure. with, with, with shady factions to get shit done. Um, but it's just like, you, you know, the focus on the camera, the circle, the line through it, I don't know. I, I is the circle related to Crimson Dawn or vice versa? Either way, I think both organizations. Uh, well, CD obviously we know if that that's truly who it is. They are on the shadier side, but if it's the circle, I think we'll learn that yeah, the circle itself is comprised of some individuals that may be gray when it comes to their their moral balance. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I just, I I, I'm telling you, man, Clea just seems like a, a player. Clea yeah. is a player <laughs> just, just as much as Luthen, if not more. I really think that they're equals or she is greater than. She just seems to, she's cool as a cucumber. She doesn't have any emotional reactions like he does. She's not laughing and celebrating or, or worrying and sitting by a radio. In fact, she's the one saying, hey, pussy. Get off the radio and just let things happen. We'll deal with it in the morning. Hey, Vel, go kill these motherfuckers. You know, I, I recruited Tamron. Eat shit. He's dead. Who gives a fuck? I'm Clea. I'm a playa. So, I, I don't know, man. Well, keep an eye on, on Clea. I don't, I, don't, I don't think she's just a mild-mannered assistant. No, yeah, yeah. You're 100% onto something there. All right. So, I, I, I talked about my... Clem thoughts, but of course we have to, in our Easter egg and references breakdown, mention the clones. It was great seeing all those live action clones together and uh, their little peon imperial officer there. So this is definitely post the Clone Wars. This is 
more than likely the timeline we we saw a bit of in Bad Batch season one. This is probably within a year or two after the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. And they're peacekeeping forces, right? But clearly, as we saw the Ferrix citizens react, they want nothing to do with it. So, I mean, this this is how rebellions start way back when. If you feel you're being persecuted, occupied, I mean, look, look at Ukraine right now. Ukraine is a real-life example of Star Wars stuff, conflict. Yeah, These poor motherfuckers conflict, have, been, yeah. have been attacked by a, a greater power, the Empire. They are the rebels. I mean, hell, they, they've got their own rebel cells. I mean, if yeah, Nick and I... In country. If Nick and I were Ukrainian, we'd no longer be doing the show because we'd either be dead or fighting right now. Because if you were in the army or not, you went to fucking defend your country. That's a true rebellion. That, that's a rebel hero. That's the rebel heart. Um, and as we discussed, Cassian doesn't quite have it yet. But clearly the people of Ferrix always have, and they're going to be a thorn in the side of the Empire moving forward because of our girl, Marva. I do, I do think Bat's right. I would love to see her go out riding B2 with two guns, just going, pop, 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 for the rebellion, just rolls into that garrison on Ferrix and blows the fuck up. All right, moving uh, right along. What's this next one here in eggs, blah, blah, blue. Oh. We get an Ord Mantell drop when Patagaz is busting uh, whatever Captain Jung's balls about not finishing a report. And Ord Mantell became in the know again, in the spotlight again, thanks to Bad Batch Season 1. That was Sid's hangout. Ultimately, that's where the Bad Batch more or less reside at this point in time. Uh, but while we're talking, nah, I'll save that for fucking speculation time. Jung, Jung, Jung. Just keep it in your mind. There's something going to happen with this man. We'll talk about it soon. All right, we got a new planet, so it makes this breakdown. Neomos. Uh, the internet affectionately has dubbed it either Space Florida or Space Miami, and I think they're, it's a pretty good uh, renaming of this planet. And as yeah. Tones told us, this was a real-life location, Blackpool, UK, uh, also known as Shitty Las Vegas. All right? <laughs> And some seeker droids, right? Probably yep. the ID-10 variety, not the kind that would ride on the backs of our inquisitorious units. Yep. Or, um, what's her name? Iden Verzio. I think Iden she used Verzio. to whip a, whip a uh, seeker. So we got to discuss them. For some reason, I felt the need to discuss a shore trooper. I guess the one interesting thing about the shore trooper that shakes down Cassian is that supposedly it was voiced by none other than Sam Witwer, who voices Darth Maul Darth for the animated wing and now the live-action wing of Star Wars. And, uh... KX not, security droid. Right. Not K2, but KX. But this, yep. this comes to one of my questions again. All right, so we, we, we know we're going to see the whole K2 thing, not till season two. We got yeah. that. But if you think about how, you know, Cassian, we know he reprograms him, and then we see kind of how K2 becomes, how he acts, his demeanor, so on and so, so forth. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think, is there any possibility that when this happens... K2 somehow 
uploads B2 into K2. And that's how K2 becomes K2. Like, get some of his personality. Wow, that's a good call. I think that that's actually like a really interesting thing because because why call them K two? They're they're K droids. They're not yeah. they're not named like R two or R four. Yeah, and if you heard their like their voice is not like K 2s voice, and B two does have a more human human like voice. Yeah, I think you, yeah. I think you, yeah, I think you could be onto something because I mean, like the whole story with B two is like clearly the 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 form that he's in now like the body for he's limited term, <laughs> he's is, severely yeah, limited, limited. He's, he's always i love b2 i you know i, I kind of hate myself early on i believe it was the, the preview look at b2 both of us we were shitting on him we're like <laughs> look at this piece of shit droid you're nothing you're no r2 you're no r5 you're no bb8 even and and now honestly i love b2 because he has such a personality. He truly is a part of the yeah. family. And if, like, l- let's think about it. C-3PO is with the Skywalkers for decades. And never would C-3PO sacrifice himself the way K2 did for Cassian. Like, literally, Very Cassian, true. climb, climb. I mean, it, it, it was like the family dog saving the owner. And, and how does that relationship develop if he's just a reprogrammed assassin droid or security droid? Oh, yeah, I think that, it's like. Yeah. I feel like it, we may learn that however he does the reprogramming, he uploads a part of B2, and that's how we get K2SO. I think, yeah, I think that you're, you're spot on there for sure. Um, yeah, there you go, Bat. Very similar to how Leet becomes a part of the Falcon. You know, it, it, they, they, they kind of take her, the, the core essence of the robot, and upload it into another system, and that system takes on the personality that that's kind of what i'm thinking like b2's essence as, as weird as that sounds for a, a an astromech or a robot is gets transferred into a new shell and yeah, that is no. k2 yeah i i agree with that yeah I think all right that, so there, there's two big right. ones write it down everyone and secure the trophies or medals i'll take either one 10 25 22 matt haywood swts b2 is k2 and Miro is somehow related to Cassian. I'm ready to take it to the bank. <laughs> no, I think, I think right. those are all good speculations for sure. Okay. And then this last one here, what would you, would you get on this lady? Well, if you were listening, the person that got sentenced right before Cassian got in trouble for having a massive unleashed. Oh, so that, that's, <laughs> that's why she gets a, a, you know, her turn in the sun. She dropped a massive mention. So in Andor, we months in prison for having your dog off leash. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, oh. and yeah, so we, we've, they now had what the Carillion hounds we saw yeah. in Andor and now we got a massive mansion. So, uh, Andor is covering all of the domesticated animals of the star Wars universe. Yeah. All right, so in terms of my thoughts, I got the B2K2, I got the clay, I got the Miro. So that takes us to the last one. Uh, Yeah, we'll do this before we lay our predictions for episode eight. So just to catch everyone up, if you're on the live stream, this screenshot may look like a spoiler to you, but it is not. This comes from a trailer that released on September 21. Uh, So really the day the show came out. And the, for those listening, it's a screenshot of that ISB meeting room that we're all familiar with now. 
and everyone's sitting in, uh, around the circle table. But in the middle is that hollow projection of Cassian's mugshot that Cyril had in the first three episodes. So clearly at some point in time, not that it should surprise anyone, they, they kind of figure out that this Cassian character may have a hand, at least in the Ferric shit, but he may also have a hand in, in Aldhani. Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up, not that this should surprise anyone. I mean, we, we've been talking about this for, for weeks. Kevin was in here earlier, you know, kind of reiterating some things we've said about Cyril. Yes, Cyril is definitely going to link up with the ISB and Miro. That's the only reason they've been dragging his dead ass along. He is, he's going to be key to her investigation. Yeah. But the reason we're talking about this scene, it, it's, it's not even the fact that the ISB learns of Cassian and they, they've identified him at this point. Big fucking deal. I mean, the guy's already in the system. He's done a bunch of shady shit. He was already on the run. It, it was bound to happen, especially with these new measures the Empire has instituted after Aldani or Aldani. The interesting part is this screenshot right here if you're on the live stream, and it should look familiar to people if you've been watching the show. But we are looking at I the ISB's Zhang. I don't know if he's a commander or captain or whatever. And he's clearly not in his ISB whites. He is in some sort of disguise. And he looks like he's going somewhere. And again, this comes from a trailer released on September 21st. So I'm not overstepping my bounds here. But Jung has been mentioned at every meeting. It's like they, they've, they've been purposely trying to ring his name in our ears. He <laughs> just got yelled at a little bit in the latest meeting like you know Patagaz he's on his shit list because he's not doing the job that Patagaz wants him to do and now knowing what we know through the first seven episodes Nick and we see this screenshot I don't know if you're looking at it yet or can see it uh, I guess I could send it to you somewhere no oh, fuck it's it's loaded on my local machine so I can't really even <laughs> send it right. to you in chat I'll pull up the I'll pull up the stream and I see, I'll see yeah get, get, get okay, the stream yes, yes, yes. real quick Got it. But Got it. at this point, knowing what we know, Jung clearly isn't an ace in the ISB. He's <laughs> he's not quick enough with his reports. He's getting yelled at by Patagaz, and now we see him in this garb. Can we say that Jung may be a a rebel spy or a defector? Yeah, I think if anything, it's leaning a little bit more towards defector than spy. Because I feel like if you're a spy you want to be good at your job. <laughs> like, and then that good way point. you can stick around the most. You can get more information. You work your way up into the hierarchy and the, and then you're really valuable to the rebellion. Cause yeah. Cause I can say, well, maybe he's up. trying to delay things, but you're right. The way the empire looks at not doing your job probably isn't the best thing. So I th yeah, you're correct. Yeah. So I, I think he's a defector. Cause he's like, these guys just fucking shit on me. This, these yeah. people are working up past me and she they, just they got here and now she's got more sectors than me yeah. <laughs> or he could just be a guy that finally realized like what am this i doing up, i mean like they're they're now sending blockades to aldani these simple yeah. people they're gonna lock them all up i mean is this is this really the right thing is this the right response and it, like many like uh, gorn before him or nadine they they realize I'm on the wrong fucking side, and and he he finally gets out of town. So uh, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this before we get into our speculation on episode eight because it does look like this is, could be coming up soon. The where Jung 
more than likely, as Nick said, and, and I agree, is probably going to defect. Yeah, uh, I think so. Like, there, there's no way that he sticks around, especially now. Obviously, we, you know, you showed that and he was in the trailers as potentially a defector. But yeah, I, I think that, like, them shitting on him pretty consistently <laughs> since the beginning of the show is, is probably going to lead to him defecting. And then they'll get some sort of... I don't know how valuable he'll be in terms of an uh, an Imperial defector over to the Rebellion, but I do think that they'll get some sort of, like, key information from him that they yeah, can that, use on Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Nick. I, I'm, I'm assuming he chooses to leave because he just learned something pretty fucking important that he thinks could help these people that are popping up around the galaxy and really making their presence felt at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good but point. But I, I don't think, I don't think Jung is long for the world either. Um, no, I, <laughs> he's probably, he's probably toast. Yeah. I um, mean, hell, if, if he meets Luthen, he'll probably give Luthen the goods. And as soon as he turns around, he's going to get shot in the back of the head. So. Yeah. It's like he's definitely dead. If he sees Luthen, it, it, we, yeah. we know that now for yeah. sure. Only, only Clay, Avell, and Mon Mothma are allowed to see Luthen. Everyone else must die. Yes. Uh, all right, my friends. So go ahead. What, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Or depending on when you're listening, what happened in episode eight? Yeah, episode eight is is an interesting one because we're going to be rolling into the next new official like uh, trilogy of episodes. Yep. yep. So I'm assuming that we're going to start off with like we're going to have to get information on Cassian's um imprisonment pretty soon and i think that there will be a like he's going to get flagged and that's why he's going to get brought up at this isb meeting because clearly this name that he gave is not going to show anything in the yeah what was the the name i wrote it down at one point in time it was a really shitty name it was keith it was like keith Keith, yeah keith gringo or something like that (laughs) it's almost like it's almost like worse than grief cardboard. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so, like, yeah. so like they're going to run I'm Keith, Keith marijuana. Yeah. It's just, so, it was, good job, Cassie. you probably shouldn't be on the lamb. You're not good at it. It's like, yeah, you're not great at coming up with fucking. No, uh, man. My name's Keith, dude. Keith, Keith. Ringo, bruh. Um, but he's going to pop up in this meeting because obviously there's already kind of an APB out for Cassian. Oh, yeah. From Barracks in Morlana 1. Um, he's now arrested under a different name. They're going to run that name. They're going to find out that, like, Keith Gringo does not exist in the world. They have his an image, probably a mugshot from him when he gets put into the Imperial uh, prison system. That'll pop up through ISB, bing, immediately. High-value target or high-value, you know, uh, uh, wanted person in custody Let's go pick oh, so, him up. Uh, so, Nick, do you think maybe that's why he gets sent to that? It seems like a high max prison that we've seen him in in the trailers. Do you, do you think yes. that that's like he, he's probably going to get moved from uh, Neomos County Jail to like a galactic exactly. lockup? Exactly. Because okay. like right now, like he's probably well, they gave him six years. So I don't fucking know if they would hold him on Neomos for six years. But like he's probably in like the same place as the fuck. He's like with the drunks. He's like in the drunk tank for the time being until they transfer <laughs> yeah. him. All and the then, fuck ups. Yeah. Like and then they're going to then they'll see like, oh, shit, this dude is actually like high value target. We need to make sure that he is in a high security, maximum security prison start to transfer over and then what what will be interesting is if we get into the storyline with Vel trying to kill him because 
if we do get into there, then you may get into a situation where it's like she had like has to do like a semi like she has to break him out of. Oh, yeah, buddy. You're going right where I was thinking. Yeah. 100 percent. So like you have to break him out of prison purely to stop him from talking about (laughs) what's going on. And then when you get him out of prison, you want to kill him. (laughs) So like, yeah. So you're not breaking. Yeah, I, him I out guess of you could argue, him. <laughs> you know, maybe that maybe they could hire like an inside asset to take him out. Do yeah. one of those, you know, like gang yeah, like hits shank from, him in the fucking prison yard. <laughs> exactly. You know? But no, I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, if he's locked up and, and Vel's clearly she doesn't want to kill him. But so far, she's been able to do the mission. But I also think that's why they showed her hesitating. Yeah. Uh, on the old honey, because I think that's going to come back again when she has to waste casting. She's going to hesitate. And clearly we know she, she's not going to do it. Um, so, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's always weird to be with these. Uh, we're moving in, as Nick said, into a three episode story arc. So we have to assume that episode eight is going to give us a lot of, of setup without a ton of payoff, which is okay. That's, that's how we build the tension to where, to when we get to episode 10, we're probably all going to be like we were when we watched episode six, like, Oh my God. Tension Andor, love it. So, but I'm with you. I, I think we we start. We almost start in. We ended on Cyril, so I, so I think we start in on Cassian. I think that's where the episode starts. We kind of catch up with him. Where is his lockup? And and truly, what is his situation? What's he thinking? He's probably thinking, how the fuck can I get out of this? Um, Cyril clearly is going to be mixed up. And, and I do think in his role, uh, either Miro is finally going to read the report where his dumbass was attached to it, or somehow he's going to c- come across some bit of data at his station that, that is going to give him an in with the ISB. Like, Ooh, ooh I found this. Hey, let me, let me transmit this to you. So I think we, we might finally get the Miro Cyril link up, or at least the beginnings of that connection. Yeah. Um, Mon Mothma, I think, will continue to get deeper into the, the movement and, and kind of work in her side of it versus, you know, just kind of being Luthen's lapdog or, or consultant. Yeah. And. Yeah, I I do wonder, Nick, if they if they get into the Vel plot thread at this point at, in this episode, is that something they at least touch in on, so we as the audience can kind of get an idea. All right, where where's her head at? Yeah, they they told her she needs to do this, but how's she feeling about it? Is she going to do it? Is she planning to do it? How is she going to react to the knowledge that he is now locked up and could potentially be interrogated and therefore yeah. let the cat out of the bag? I I think that that is going to be the crux of this three episode arc is like essentially prison breaking him to stop him from talking. Okay. Yeah. Because he has no reason to not talk at this point. Like he doesn't fucking care about those people. Like he doesn't care about Val. He doesn't care about Luthan. He got his, like, like he said, when he was like, you know, in episode six, I'm a Merc. I'm here for the dollars. And then, you know, like I'm moving on. See ya. And now he's in a position to where the best thing that he can do for himself to like reduce his sentences be like, look, if you guys want to know who ran the whole shebang on fucking Aldani, I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you the guy who commissioned 
me or like who was looking for this now yeah, I, I know his, his fucking ship drive signature it's yeah like one two three xyz go, yeah, go like, find i'll tell you it. everything about him like see here's the deal though and yes that is definitely one of his options but i think they've they've gone out of their way to, to show to us that cassian even though he is kind of self-serving at this point he still does the right thing in the end I mean, he, he, he still shot Skeen, who was trying to betray everybody. He, yeah. he still went back to Ferrix with all that heat on his name to pay off his fucking debts, to give yeah. his money to, to, to Bix and, and, his, and his buddy and to try to rescue his mom. So I, um, I agree that's on the table, clearly, but I, I still don't think that's in his character. I, I don't think Cassian would even rat these strangers out at this point. I just... He was willing to blast a dude for trying to give him 40 million credits. Yeah, yeah. Because it was know, the wrong th- it was the wrong thing to do. It's weird. Like he Cassian is definitely in the gray at, at yeah. all times. I mean, more, even, I think even more than Han Solo. Do you think Cassian is a darker character than Han Solo? Cassian a darker character than Han Solo. That's a good question. Like look, Han just made bucks and stole shit. Cassian I was think assassinating Cassian, motherfuckers. Yeah, like Cassian's definitely darker than darker even in his intention than Han was. Han's yes. intention was just to be like, look, man, I'm I'm I just fly wanna, the Falcon and make cash and fuck yeah, bitches. Just, just just make money and then be on my own. Cassian definitely has some darkness to him to where he's okay just fucking blasting people. Like he like if he needs to kill somebody to 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 do what he's gotta do, then he'll he'll do it. Yeah. And that's why yeah, I, think, I, I like, don't think Han you know, went on many hit jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just I don't think and he like, was happy to kill Imperials once he joined the Rebel Alliance because of his lady love. But even then, even by Empire, he's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like I, I'm done yeah. hanging out with you assholes. I you will know what I mean? Say like, that like, in, fuck this. In the other instances that you brought up where he's like chosen to do the right thing, it was never his ass that was on the line. Like it was always like, oh yeah, I'm going to like with, with Skeen, it was like, let's just take the money and run. And he never liked Skeen to start with. Like he was like, so like that just kind of gave him a reason to ice Skeen. Um, but ultimately you have to agree. He was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to do the right thing. He was not going to fuck over Vel at least or or Nemec at that point. Regardless of the, of the decision that he made, his ass wasn't on the line. Like he could have just told Skeen, like, I don't care. Like you take the money and get the fuck out of here. But like, I don't, I'm not getting involved. Like in this instance with him in prison, his, he's either going to talk or he's going to be in prison for six years. Like that's his options. And I don't think that he has, the, like he doesn't have the stomach to be like, well, I'm going to protect these people that I give zero shits about just to protect them at my own expense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't I, I do. I do see that. I would argue, though, his ass was on the line when he returned to Ferrix, though. So he, he even then he was willing he was willing to go to Ferrix to drop off 12,000 credits and try to get his old mom out. When the whole, oh, yeah, because he yeah, really, literally the whole system is Marva. Yeah, the like whole system's was, looking for him. So, yeah, um, like that, that was definitely like a little bit more selfless, but it was it was his mom and it was a, like his ex uh, hookup like on the line. So she still loves him. He still yeah. loves him. <laughs> I, I, I do like I mean, I still hate Tim with two M's, but I, I like that, you know, Cassian kind of threw a few 
jabs at him like that, that pussy we thought we were <laughs> hooking up again stuff like that they did tim did get uh, at least a mention in this episode but yeah, we yeah. still hate you tim go fuck yourself okay. all right so there you go episode eight we're going to continue cassian stred kind of see how he's working with the prison life and where his head's at uh, I think we get some Val thread and how she's going to tackle her new challenge. And then the Miro uh, serial connection could happen, should happen. It's probably going to get close to happening. Cause I, I don't know how much we can keep checking in on, uh, you know, Mr. Hero. Brown suit yeah, without with happening. expanding into the, the overarching story at this point. Like he, he's literally yeah. just can, been kind of on this depressed tangent and as much as I like watching his mom berate him and, and treat him like a little kid or a ballless son, it needs to go somewhere at this point. So, um, we'll, Devin's saying, will we get some Saul this episode? Yeah, why not? I mean, if, if you consider this is our trilogy, so 8, 9, 10, and then the finale is 11, 12, I could see Luthen potentially checking in on Saul uh, maybe even getting Saul to take out Cassian because Vel won't. Or yeah. now that he's in the prison, they need more hardcore people like Saul's gang to do that. Uh, I don't know if that happens right in eight, but I, I do super scoundrel Devin. I do I do definitely see that taking place over this trilogy eight nine ten. Uh, with the finale being eleven twelve, you feel like eleven will be build up twelve will be the finish and i don't I don't know if you make a stop at Saul's place for that, so yeah. I could get into that for sure well, you gotta think right it makes sense Luthen the announcement's been made the network is up you can't just stop right yeah um so props thinks this is the Saul episode all right we'll see I don't know if if Saul shows up Maybe. in eight but but nine for sure. I tones. I don't think we get the prison break already in eight. Uh, I think they're going to want to build on they're that a little bit. Pull, pull that. Out. I think that, I, that, I, like I, the big thing may be the prison. Like that may be episode eleven. Like and, and I, I still it? think ten eight, would ten, be the ten, the climax ten, ten. of this trilogy. And and I do. And this is this. I you know this. I could be reaching for the stars on this one, but the prison itself seemed more important to the story than just being a prison uh, because some of the people in there and what they're working on I know in one of the trailers someone zoomed in they're like are those fucking lightsaber hilts say, and, yeah, like, yeah. and you know it could potentially be a prison like a white collar prison or a, a work prison essentially an internment camp for uh, scientists and engineers to be doing knickknacky shit for the Death Star project uh, so I, I don't think the prison's a one and done in episode eight. I, I think the prison's probably going to be a main backdrop for a good part of eight, nine and 10, because I think the um, the prison is more than meets the eye. It's it's not just a holding box. It, it could be important for the the story as it moves on, or at least the the Death Star portion of Rogue One and Cassian's story. Ah. Uh. Drevin, who the hell is Drevin? Don't forget, Drevin is in this show too. Oh, he's one of the rebel leaders. I got you. One six shooter. I'm just covering some of the chat. Why not? They join the live stream. Yeah, they might recruit him later on to liberate Ferrix in the finale episode. Uh, Devin, I'll, I'll go with that. I, 
if anyone's going to motivate Cassian to do something for the Rebel Alliance at this point, it has to be his mom. I know yeah. we made fun of this, like, I'm Cassian, you killed my real mom, my real dad, my fake mom, my fake dad, my sister, my girlfriend, and I'm here to avenge you. But it does seem like one of the only things in the galaxy that can that affects him beyond his own drive is is Marva. So I, I could see that potentially being a, hey, let's go. We get Ferrix, they're... Because of you, Ferrix is literally getting the worst of the boot treatment. You need to fucking do something. You need to clean up this mess. You need to help. Um, one six shooter doesn't think Luthen is behind one in casting dead. Maybe Saul is. I, don't, I still think Luthen's the man. I, I think Luthen is the de facto glue for the rebel cells at this point in time. He built a network, brought Saul into the network. But yeah, we'll yeah. see. We shall see. All right. That'll be coming up tomorrow, or if you're listening to the podcast-only version, it is out now. Make sure to check out my videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. All right. Well, well Tones, I don't, I don't think Cassian's going to be meeting Saul. I think that's a Luthan thing only, so that, that should fix that. Cause a lot of people worried about that, Nick. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Saul's in the show, and that Luthen guy is casting there too. Cause it seemed like in Rogue One that Cassian and Saul didn't really know each other, at least by appearance. Yeah, they I mean, obviously but they don't need to interact with each other. Right. So yeah. I, 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 I think Luthen goes to Saul's thing on his own. I mean, I, yeah, I, I yeah. really, I really do think Cassian also is also cl- clearly like Luthen doesn't give a fuck about Cassian. He's like, right. kill this motherfucker, <laughs> like, which is, uh, which is odd considering he even said like, I broke protocols to get this guy. So he clearly yeah. wanted him, but maybe as unless, Nick said, it was just a Clea, tool for a specific job. Yeah. Unless Clea is like going against with Cassian, like going against Cassian. And then, like, or going against like, Luthen, right? Or That's yeah, what I yeah. Mean. going against Luthen, yeah, going against Luthen. Because Val's like, why isn't he here? And she's like, yeah. listen, you know, it, you, they're they're listening to receiving signals and sending signals. This is all dangerous. Fuck you. Why are you doing this? I'm telling you, man, don't sleep on Clea, the playa. She is more than meets the eye. All right, man. Moving on, we got uh, some Star Wars movie stuff before we get in this week's fan segment. And uh, as Nick said. Until theaters put up posters and start selling tickets, we really can't believe anything with with too much or, or, or too much of our hearts these days when it comes to Star Wars movies and their announcements. Yeah. Uh, but this week, r- literally back to back, two big drops from what you would consider, at least in pop culture land, reputable sources, Deadline and then THR. Uh, Clay is Clea Andor's sister. Now, I didn't think that one. Props, you need to rewatch the show. I, I threw out a lot of theories. Uh, Miro could be Andor's sister. Clea could be in the underground, the underworld. Clea could be attached to Crimson Dawn. Who knows? Listen, process, yeah, yeah and then let's in. chat. Uh, but anyway, so Damon Lindelof, we, we, we learned months ago, maybe in a year ago, that he, had, he was attached to some sort of mysterious Star Wars project. And now more, uh, some more light has been shined on this mystery, starting with the uh, reveal from Deadline, I think on Sunday night or, or Monday, that this secret Star Wars film that is being co-written by Damon Lindelhoff, and I'll reveal the co-writer soon, 
has chosen its director, and the director is going to be none other than Charmin Obed Chinoy, who uh, directed a, a good chunk of the Miss Marvel episodes. Uh, but she she is an Oscar winner. I believe she she did a documentary. Uh, I, I think, and don't quote me on this, it might have been on like the persecution of of women in the Middle East, something like that. So I think um, so, yeah. She's a talent, although I, I, I did, we did get a few story replies to this news post with the vomit emoji. So I don't know. I don't know if that's because she's a, a girl and they don't like or her or they, they didn't like Miss like Marvel. Marvel. But, I didn't but who see Miss Marvel, so I have no idea. It's good. It, it's it, I I like She-Hulk better cuz She-Hulk's fucking crazy like they're all yeah, on she, mushrooms. Yeah, She-Hulk was super fun. Yeah. But I, 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 I think you, you and Taylor would would probably get into Miss Marvel. It it touches more on than just superhero shit for sure. Um so Charmaine has been added as director. Damon is one of the writers. And if you don't know Damon, I mean he he did Lost, Watchmen, Leftovers. He he's got some good shit on his belt. Like, prestige TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy, honestly, that he made enough money in, in the early aughts and created enough long lasting pop culture items that he, he, he pretty much can do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, love or hate some of how a lot of his shows end. He, he's still considered one of the uh, primo kind of fiction writers out there. Uh, but anyways, the, the movie itself, it's not fully written. No one really knows exactly what it's about, but the fact that a, a director has been chosen, writers have been chosen, this is further along or just as far as some of the other projects that Kathleen came out and said, hey, they're happening, and here's some promos, and here's the people. So it, it, it now seems, Nick, that this the, the Damon movie, the Damon secret project, very well could be the one that they're eyeing up for that 2025 slot we talked about two weeks ago when Lucasfilm sent out the revised schedule. Hey, man, um, go for it. Right, <laughs> at right. This like, point, like the, just, just give us some movies. Like It's going to be 10 years before we see a fucking movie. But today, we got a few more insights into Damon's secret project. We now know that there was some crazy powwow after celebration for this project. We yeah. know the co-writer... And we know the setting, all right? So this one comes from The Hollywood Reporter. But apparently Damon's writing partner on the Star Wars project is Justin Britt Gibson, who recently worked on Guillermo del Toro's The Strain, which was pretty good on FX. The Strain, the strain was legit. I've, I've seen yeah. that. that that's and, a then, and then um, Epics. Is uh, it Epics or Stars is the counterpart? Yeah, counterpart. I haven't uh, seen that, but then again, like I don't have those channels. Yeah, but the strain, so, like from what I've seen, the strain was strong. No, strain's worthwhile. I mean, I I watched that full season. That was a, a Stern Show recommendation many years ago, but it, it's definitely good. So, uh, the the kid's got some writing chops under his belt. But the interesting thing here, like Bats bringing up in the live stream, apparently Nick, there was some secret meeting of the minds. At Star Wars Celebration this year, that involved it was a two week meeting. It involved Damon Lindelof, Patrick Somerville, who helped him co write Leftovers and also kicked off Station Eleven, which I believe both Props and uh, Scoundrel said is a good show. I believe that's another HBO show. It also involved Raina McClendon, 
who worked on Obi-Wan Kenobi and helped write the new Willow series. Uh, Andy Greenwald, who wrote Rosario Dawson's Briar Patch. And finally, Dave Filoni himself was rumored to be pre- present at this two-week meeting. I mean, that would uh, make it, sense. And, and it sounds as... like, Nick, this, this two-week meeting was just like, all right, let's get all these minds in a room. Let's iron out what this film's going to be. And then Damon and Justin, they're going to go write the fucking script. So yeah. that's where we're at with this. We had the meeting of the minds in, in May, June. Uh, Damon and Justin have been writing the script. The script apparently will be set after the sequels. All right. So this, um, this project yeah. will be post the rise of Skywalker. Uh, but that does not mean it's going to be a direct continuation of the main cast. Albeit, the, uh, the, the sources told THR that characters from the sequels could be featured. Okay, yeah. so that is, that's where we're at. And, and sadly, my friends, as we said when we, we opened this topic, this is just the state of the Star Wars movie-verse. Uh, we're we're going to talk about a quick one-off here after it, but you know they, they've really shot themselves in the foot with false not really false announcements, announcements that never come to fruition, which just adds to the, the negative connotation that a lot of fans now have about Star Wars movies. You know, a lot of yeah. people still haven't been able to shake TLJ or the financial failure of Solo. So there's just this big negative cloud around Star Wars movies, which is why things are taking forever to happen. But it does sound like this one, they're... They're, put, they're, they're getting the right bodies together. They're thinking about the story. Uh, they're not worried about writing a trilogy right off the bat. That was the other thing I forgot. This is being written as a standalone, but obviously success could breed sequels if warranted. Yeah. I, okay, so my initial thoughts, if that's what we're going for, um, I like that it is after the sequel trilogy because I feel like similar to how the prequels went down, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll fashion it this way. Similar to how the prequels went down, there was such backlash against it that if you leave it alone for too long and you don't do anything with that time period, people are going to assume that you've just abandoned it and that, that like, you're just going to, you're just going to be like, all right, it happened. We're done with it. We're not going to talk about it anymore. That's why, in my opinion, I mean, I, I feel like George already had Clone Wars ideas going on in his head, but it was good that he followed Clone Wars up or, followed the prequels up with the Clone Wars so quickly because then you could be like, yeah, they're out and out there now, but like, here's more stuff around this time period. So one, I'm totally good with the, the time period chosen Two, there is a problem in star Wars movie verse. Even after we've gotten to the point of like now Filoni is creative director, like Filoni touches everything where like Filoni is going to be the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars movie verse whenever it picks back up. That that is going to be his role. You but would hope Kevin, he would hope so. Yeah, I mean you would hope so. But what Feige had at um like or what Feige eventually established at Marvel was like, yeah, I'm the guy who like I'm like the direction leader, but he also had Favreau. He had 
the Russo brothers, like he had directors and producers in his stable that he trusted to be yeah, like, and, and writers. I mean, Feige's yeah, not right. writing shit. He's just setting the, the general direction. Exactly. Like, hey, phase one, we need to hit these beats. Phase two, hit these beats. Yeah. Phase three, we'll bring it all together. All right. Phase four, bing, so, bang, like, boom. To me, like this is team building. Like this is like Filoni sat down with these people and he was like, Hey, we need to establish a, a stable of people for Star Wars, like like Disney did for Marvel and like Kevin did for Marvel, where like we are the brain trust and we are the ones that will, you know, set forth what Star Wars movies are going to be for the next ten years. Um, and the people that he that you mentioned, Damon Lindelof, Patrick Somerville, Raina McClendon, Andy Greenwald, like this may be the stable that he has now established as like. You are like, we are the brain trust of what the future of Star Wars film will be. Um, which is why you've probably seen like, all right, we're going to pull um, Rogue Squadron and we're going to push Taika's thing back as well because we want to establish our stable before we start putting shit out again. Which to me... Yeah, and, and I, I like the, the idea... And I, I also agree with the approach to let's just make one-offs and yeah. if, if they're successful and the fans dig it and there's reason to keep building towards a trilogy. Okay. But let's not from the get go be like trilogy. We're just, we're automatically, yeah. we're going to shove this down your throats, whether you like the first one, middle one or not. Uh, so I like this too. I mean, I don't like the delay. I, I, I think it's sickening that we're not going to get a Star Wars movie until 2025 at the earliest. That's insane to think about. I mean, especially honestly, <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point to where I'm like, if we get a Star Wars movie again ever, I would be surprised because they yeah, just... It's it could very well be Nick that we're gonna have the same dry period of Star Wars films that we had from 2005 to 2015. Like we, yeah, we could definitely. we could get close to that ten year period where there was nothing. So you know, thank God for the Gilroys, the Filonies, and Favros and Headlands, yeah. kind of keeping the uh, TV universe alive. Because otherwise, yeah. it would you essentially be shit. it'd be dead again. It, it would be like yeah. when George owned it and didn't want to do anything with it. So. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Speaking of like running studios and stuff, this just broke. James Gunn and Peter Safran have now been selected as the co-leads of the DC studios of DC studios. So they will be running the DC universe. Oh boy. Um, And I'm all for that. I think James Gunn is a fucking stud. Uh, He, he killed his work with the guardians. I thought it was great. Peacemaker. Fantastic. Like tones was saying hours ago, where's peacemaker season two. I'm with you. And even the, the 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 Suicide Squad that Gunn did was was yeah, good. Yeah, it was fun. It was so no, that that, so. that that sounds like the right guy to have there. But clearly, then his his MCU days are over. Yeah, like Guardians Three finished. really was his his last his Marvel goodbye. project. Yeah. Then, uh, but yeah, so so him and I don't know who Peter Safran is, but they're both the co chairs of DC Studios. Um, but back onto the Star Wars stuff, um, you have to do something like this. Like there's, there's no, like, there's no like, oh, well let's let Patty do her movie and then let's let Taika do his movie and then we'll figure out the, the, the greater picture and structure of things. Like you need to have 
this should have been put in place before the prequels. I mean, or before the sequels. I mean, we've talked about that at length. Dude, do you, do past, you think so. I, they keep saying it's on back burner, but in your heart of hearts, do you, do you think rogue squadrons DOA? I think that rogue squadron, I think that, that what this, if this group really is the brain trust, they will take both rogue squadron and Taika's movie under advisement and make a decision if, if it will be made. Which is how it should be done. Like if you're if if you're gonna establish this as like the group, like the real, like call them the real story group, like they would have to read the scripts and say like check mark X mark or like See, go I, and rewrite I, this shit and come back. I read this more of like this was kind of a story group just for Damon's thing, but you're 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 not wrong. Like Dave should have some sort of we want to call it a, a, a cohort. I mean, yeah. he, he should have a team that, that vets this type of shit. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, all right. Well, that, that kind of leads into our last little deal here on, on star Wars movies, right? Nick and does. And, and this, jump we in don't, the gun like, and yeah. So, so, so bo- th- both of us been, think that this is kind of bullshitty, but we'll it, talk it's just, about it this anyway. is like, I, I mean, honestly, tone tone shared this in our discord. So this is nothing against tone. We love, we love street reporter tones. He's doing his job. Uh, but he dropped this, this story in our discord chat. Again, if you want to join at star Wars time show on Instagram, use the bio link. You can find our discord in there, but, but this has been kicked around this whole thing that Disney advised Kathleen Kennedy to stop announcing star Wars projects early and you know the, the the fanfare and nick i totally forgot that she announced and disney announced the taika stuff even before the big rogue squadron presentation they, yeah i mean the taika and, movie and rogue it squadron was like, were both announced at that thing no that, no like, that, that's what i mean the, the taika uh, thing was announced in like the spring of 21 uh, or, or 20 and then rogue squadron got the big stage thing where they reminded like oh yeah Taika's oh, yeah. doing one too because they, because they busted out the taika announcement right after he won the oscar and the Man- Mandalorian se- season one success yeah. and, and his yeah. involvement in that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyways, here's the deal. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this because first and foremost, I think it's a no shit. I, I could, I don't know who the fuck Puck News is and I'm surprised Star Wars Newsnet covered something like this. It's what I called getting in the weeds. I mean, th- this is a post that didn't even make it to Reddit leaks and Reddit leaks yeah. is full of like shit posting stuff. And, like, Full of trash. <laughs> yeah, random and also nonsense. This, this story is six sentences long. <laughs> yeah, so, we'll so it, like I said, apparently, according to Puck News, this Matt Baloney guy has learned that Bob Chappick chastised or, or essentially sent Kathleen Kennedy a memo to "Enough's enough." Stop with all the the announcements and cheerleading and and stage events until we actually have shit locked down in production being shot. And as we said, is this real? Who the fuck knows? Common sense tells you that, yes, that probably happened. Kathleen Kennedy herself probably sat down and said, you know what? I need to fucking calm down with this shit. If it's my boss is telling me to do it or my underlings or just my own excitement, I need to put a fucking governor on this thing. So, yes, it makes sense that Disney... Vis-a-vis Kathleen Kennedy probably realized that getting out there and making these proclamations about Star Wars projects before they're even written and locked down is, is not a good idea. Um, 
So that's that, but we wanted to comment comment on it. So here yeah. we go. Um, I will so say Tones, like I said, guys... n- nothing against you, Tones. We love you street reporting. That's what I, I, I need that type of stuff. But this one just seems like a whole lot of let's let's get some cheap clicks and yeah. pin it on Puck News if it's not real. You know what I yeah. mean? So. I will say, too, though, if you want to read the whole article of this, you can subscribe to Puck News, apparently. <laughs> like yeah. you have to pay for it to be able Whatever. to read it, which is not a good sign for a, for a fucking website you've never heard of is now like making you like charging you to read an article about Kathleen Kennedy. That, to me, yeah, that it, reads it, as like complete fucking clickbait bullshit. And the other thing I kind of glossed over and a lot of times, my friends like these days it's, it is what it is. I can't do everything. Uh, I would love to cover everything. That's, that's how I used to do my old website. It just, it's not there. I'm not going to do it. Uh, the Michelle Rejuan story. That's another one. It's like, I don't know why it's a big deal. I mean, she, she, Stepped down as senior VP of live action development and production at Lucasfilm to go back to producing full time. I guess you could read into it like, well, there's no movement in the movie live action. So maybe that's why she she's leaving the role. Uh, These types of stories, Nick, they just don't really interest me. Like they're just like people write them and they write them with a certain like you have to. It's not the story. It's the way that people write the story. And they're writing it to just stir up negative right. emotion that, in the fan what I'm base. Get, that's what I'm getting so to. Like, it's clickbait the, the, stuff. The, Ooh, Michelle, st- the Michelle Rejwan story says, Michelle Rejwan steps down as Lucas, as Lucas Senior VP will stay as producer for Lucasfilm and Disney. Like, what it, and if you read it, it's like doom and gloom. The reality of the fact is Michelle Rejwan stepped into a role where she will be producing both Marvel and Star Wars movies. She didn't step down from Lucasfilm. She has taken on more responsibility and will be producing both of the biggest franchises that Disney owns. Like, but how is right. that a bad thing? You're right, thing? though. It is. It's looked through. And, and a lot of times, I don't even blame the fans. It's these cocksuckers in media and the way they shift things and twist things to meet an agenda versus telling the facts. I mean, this is the world yeah. we live in now. We. We're nothing but the media trying to make everything a little bit more dire and horrific than it is and blaming well, yeah, shit on I mean, things that it shouldn't be blamed print, on. Like print, print media is like is in its death throes. Like nobody reads a lot of print media anymore. So like you have to do shit like that to be able to get clicks and sustain your business and all this other bullshit. But like you're doing it at the disservice of the people who are reading your stuff because you're but giving you, you're them. You're right. I, I mean, like, this was written in a way like, Ooh, the girl getting demoted. It's like she got demoted because that is star Wars the movies exact aren't opposite happening. of what happened. <laughs> like she actually got promoted because she's like, they're like, you can do Marvel shit now too. And Marvel movies are getting pumped out for a year. So like, how is that a bad thing for Michelle Rushwine? <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But there you go. We 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 comment on it's just I I don't have enough time to like think about that stuff. If it's not something that allows us to speculate on future past or present Star Wars, I don't know. It that's just it doesn't interest me. I know other channels have made their bread on only talking about silly controversies and women in charge or men in charge or people of color playing roles they shouldn't be playing according to these people. It's, that, that's not the Star Wars time show. You know what I mean? Like I, 
I don't give a shit. There, there, there's no fun in talking about, oh, they're, they're shifting responsibilities at Lucasfilm. Or Kathleen Kennedy's not allowed to make announcements. So, again, this is nothing against our field reporters. Keep them coming. We need to, you know, kind of gauge what, what the fans want to hear. But I, I thought both of these were kind of like, eh, who gives a shit? Business is business. What's going to happen in Andor Episode 8? All right, Nick, it's time. It is fan segment time. There's always two ways to get involved. You can either get mixed up with the question of the week, which you're going to do right now. The way to do that is through Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Check our stories. Check our feeds either Monday night, Tuesday morning. Who knows? I don't really have a set schedule at this point. But we will pose the question, and you either have to reply to our story post or go to the post itself in our profile and drop a comment. At that point, we will collect a few of the choice ones and we will read them live on air and discuss them. All right, so let's go. We'll get right into the question of the week. This week it was an easy one, as they will be throughout the duration of Andor. What was your favorite or least favorite part from Andor Episode 7? The one with Space Miami. All right, so we got two story responses up here first. First one here from Ripic Tan. He says, I loved every scene, but I'm going to go with the last few moments of Cassian in Florida. He was in the UK. Ripic, we know that. Um, when he's walking and people start running by and you see the trooper coming from way behind, us diehards know it's the Empire. Hell, even the casual fans know what's happening. But the way they filmed that, they gave it an awkward, confusing tone, which really worked because Cassian doesn't fully understand yet. Can't go anywhere in the galaxy that the Empire doesn't have a presence. Even him getting questioned by the trooper while K2s, while the K2s, the KXs, damn it! Not K2s, (laughs) come on, are catching people. Uh, It seemed ridiculous, almost to the point of humor for Cassian, uh, all the way to him getting sentenced. Almost like it's too unbelievable. They did a great job with all of it. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that's like I, I know you didn't go too far in the House of the Dragons, but they're they're yeah. two Knights Guards members and they're twins, and they're literally named Eric with an A and Eric with an E. Eric so that's, and <laughs> Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's what we Cassian have here. We have Cassian and Cassian. Yes, <laughs> uh, good stuff from Ripic. Thank you for the responses. Always. Uh, next up in the stories, we have the Black Series. Da. Da. The Black uh, yeah, Series. DA. Damn it. <laughs> I forget who it is, but I know they're, they're a good diehard fan. So sorry, Black Series. Da. da. But the, you, the name you know got who cut you off. Are. Yeah. Yes. Black Series. Uh, da. He says, I thought the back and forth between Cassian and the Short Trooper was Star Wars gold. It added the perfect touch of humor to a tense situation, not over the top Marvel humor. Just right in the moment. Well played, Lord Gilroy. Well played indeed. See, I told you, a loyal listener. So thank you, Black Series. Duh. Um, All right, going on to the comments from the post. We have Johnny Osage Av. He says, I hated it. There was no space pit bull. He says pit bill, but I know he means pit bull. There was no (laughs) space pit bill worldwide and not Miami Sound Machine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little glorious was, stefan all right yeah he says it was great another layer added to the story the complexity of this series is amazing but why do i get crimson dawn vibes from luthan and this k2so grabs cassian no. hail tg 
it's not, not it's K2SO. Not K2SO. It's it's KX Security Droid. Yes, it's the one. KX, we, you, I, I remember the I remember the exact uh, set pick from last or uh, yeah last year when we would have been talking about it. It was we saw the dude in the, in the gray suit. He was carrying up the fucking the two other dudes, and we're like, wait, what the hell is that going to be? And we're like, oh yeah, that's probably yeah. a. I think even then we were calling them K2 units, but yeah. Now we know. Unless unless our Lord and Savior Gilroy is completely yanking our chains, K2 is not till season two. So yeah, yeah. So I mean he has been he has bullshitted us before. So we'll see. A little bit. Like like Nick said, cramming you Lauren in there. I don't know. Is that borderline on a cynical cameo or did it make sense? I think it made sense. Technically, you Lauren is in the fake like animated right. canon to Tony. Fan, so <laughs> fan fiction, yeah, fan fiction. adding in fan fiction characters now. What a crazy guy. Um, all right. Good stuff there from Johnny. Thank you. As always, uh, Christopher Weber 33 says, uh, I think she means, I think he means Miro. Uh, I think he's, he's mixing her names together. Cause it's Deidre yeah. Miro. Deidre so Miro. Yeah. now we're just going to go with Mira. Mira. Mira's win over her ISB colleague and being granted control over the planetary system of Ferrix. Yeah. Her investigation of the suspected rise of the rebellion will continue unmolested for oh, now. Oh, wow. Look at Christopher. Quite, I mean, I was going to say, the... honestly, other than Mira, a very well-written comment. But, there. you know, I always like when the, when the fans hit on my own top moments, because then I'm like, you know what? They're smart. So, Christopher yeah. Weber, 33, welcome to the club. Thank you very much, sir, for your comment. Next up, scruffy looking photos i like that that handle he says really enjoyed the imperial e-m-p-e-r-e-m-p-i-r-i-l what an interesting way to spell that it works Um, right it sounds right bureaucracy uh we haven't seen a view hold on that is bureaucracy bureaucracy yes um we haven't seen a viewpoint of the empire against the rebels and insurrectionists BBY. Yeah. So before the Battle of Yavin. So he's saying we haven't seen this view of the Empire and their stance towards the rebels in a BBY setting, which you could argue against that. Um, To be honest, I'm really enjoying the show overall. Nice breath of fresh air from Star Wars. I mean, you could say that Rebels gave you a pretty decent look at some of the Imperial work. Against the rebels and the insurrectionists. Oh, sure. But, I mean, especially you know, uh, the, the once Thrawn, you get into Thrawn, the Thrawn years. Yeah, yeah Governor like this, Price, Thrawn, Price, Lauren yeah. shows up. I mean, Lauren is is kind of where oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. The second fulcrum. The fuck is his name? Oh, Callus. Yeah, I mean that's how Callus kind of gets added, outed. So yeah, so, but but yeah, in terms of live action, Scruffy is I think on point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, we'll if Scruffy's we'll not a, yeah, if he's not an animated show watcher, then you are right. But in general, canon like animated shows included, Rebels did give you a pretty decent. It's still kind of different too, because even by the time Rebels comes around, the Empire is aware of a coordinated Rebel movement. Like they're aware yeah, that there are yeah. cells now. Like this, we're truly seeing the first ever Hello World moment from the Rebels to the Empire. Like, listen. This ain't just bullshit, knick-knacky, stealing parts and pieces from steer guard. This yeah. is a coordinated movement now. Yeah, so good stuff there. Um, Baron's Black Series says, Spencer, our old PR man, he says, the ISB scenes, love watching Mira again, mixing her two <laughs> names, Dira Miro. <laughs> um, 
love watching her with the others and outsmart her adversaries. Uh, oh, also, shit. if Your I'm not mistaken, went bad. There was a Wolf Ularen cameo too. I think my uh, earbuds may have died, but uh, I can. Still well, I, I'm even saying like I now. It now sounds so, like you're good stuff. You're there. not I'm talking through your good out. mic. Give me one second, Matt, because right. I can't hear anything. <laughs> There's definitely something going on at House Caminita, technically. So I'll move on to, is this our last one here? BACTA. <laughs> oh my God, I, this is a great I name I love this here. name. Okay, I, I am he, I'm okay. hearing Dude, you again. Check, check the mic through Skype because it's, it's definitely pulling from like a computer mic or something. It's not your good mic. Okay. But anyways. Yep, good, perfect. There's that sexy voice. <laughs> All right. You're not wrong. I'll go ahead and read this one so you can kind of get, get back on track here. But th this is a new favorite handle of mine. Yes. This is BACTA underscore F underscore up to give us BACTA <laughs> F up. <laughs> I love people on the internet sometimes. Fucking A, Good. man. That's right up there with grief cardboard now. That's a dumb. BACTA F up. I hope you listen because I want you to now become a live streamer. I want you in here with the rest of the diehards or at least to show up every once in a while and grace us with your presence like grief himself because yeah. back to f up is brilliant uh -huh. all right so back to f up says the jump from andor leaving mom to getting arrested seems like a piece was missing there I, so i'm guessing i would like that's kind of like i put this in here because i do think that it was a pretty stark jump from like you're not coming with good, me yeah. mom to like i just finished banging this prostitute in this yeah, Miami exactly. hotel room. Hold on. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I, I just thought that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Maybe that's why Tony dubbed it as, in quotes, very it's interesting. very interesting because it, he moves it, on very fast. It had that hard cut. Yeah. <laughs> he, he goes from his mom pouring her, her heart out to him and essentially pledging her life to the Rebel Alliance to him, as Nick said, you know, banging some chicks and headed down to the local 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee. Yeah, it's a, it a pretty stark contrast, but um, good stuff there from all of our respondents. Thank you very Back much. Back the F up. <laughs> that fucking was like great. such a fucking good name. Like just, I, I honestly, Nick, I don't know about you. I've never been good at creating handles. Every know, handle man. I've created myself online have sucked. Uh, these days, I think I'm still Hammer of Buddha on, on Xbox, Faux Hammer on PlayStation. So there was mix of of Halo, Lord of the Rings. My first one could have been the dorkiest fucking handle of all times. Ready for this? Go ahead. I'll never forget it. Hit me. Jedi Baggins <laughs> one one three eight. Look at the, that. Jedi is, Baggins one one three eight. But that like that name itself is just the the perfect combination of everything that you love on the internet <laughs> or like everything. Oh yeah. That Cause you love I, I, I would have formed this. I would have formed this when Xbox live became like a main thing. So this, this would have been right around when I was knee deep in Tolkien and I've always had the star Wars love. So that, that's where that one stemmed from. And then it changed to, uh, yeah. Faux hammer was next. And then when I started entertainment Buddha that had to get incorporated. So that's how it ended up hammer of Buddha. Yeah. I think so still terrible handles. I, I've, I, I am always jealous of people that come up with handles like back the F up. Yeah, yeah, that's strong. Cause like me, I just uh, ripped off, like I'm that Nick C on most of everything. And I ripped that off yeah, from that Kevin Smith, like, cause that was like yeah. his Twitter thing. And I was like, okay, that's solid. But then like, I started using Tricky Nikki like as my handle because I was like, it's like, 
it's mnemonically fun and it includes my name in a fashion. So I was like, I, I'll use that for like yeah, game did, shit every but, now. But but you know what I mean? Like it you, is hard. You 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 respect a good handle oh, yeah. game, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it it's it's impressive. It, w- without getting you know too vulgar. I mean, there there are some that it, they're funny, but it's like, oh Jesus, are you sure you want that? Yeah, <laughs> you want like that. that out there? You, you know, like like cunt pounder one one three eight. Like, that's like, a okay, tough that's, one. That's a little. Yeah. That's over the top, but back the f up. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's Aces. go. I'm, I'm, uh. I'm in a rabbit hole and back the f up. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving into the the second wing, or or fuck it, that made no sense. Moving into the second half of our fan segment, <laughs> we have our top five Star Wars artist features of the week. Real quickly, the way this thing happens. Every day on Instagram, I am scanning for anyone that has tagged, ad tag, Star Wars Time Show on Instagram or used hashtag Star Wars Time Show. I'm looking for your Star Wars creations, be it toy photography, traditional art, tattooing, cosplaying, uh, making your own home movies. We're all about it. Tag us, use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Every day in the morning, I will feature some of that content that comes across my desk. And then on Monday, before we do the live stream, Nick sits down, does what he's got to do, could be wheeling one out, could be having a coffee. You never know. But once he gets that out of his system, he picks his five favorite shots from the week's worth of features. And then we talk about them, immortalize them, and saint the artist right here on the Star Wars Time Show. So real quick, Nick, I am happy to report mm-hmm. I executed my first toy photography session in probably six to eight months this past Friday. Uh, it was out of necessity to clear room. I, I literally have so <laughs> many fucking Barbies sitting around. I don't have place to lay more Barbies that are unopened. Uh, but I got down to doing it, and I ended up doing it for almost three hours. Wow. So it sucked me right back into it once. To me, I found out. It's like, if I can get over that speed bump of dragging all my shit out to get set up, once I get the camera going and I start staging my little plastic friends and playing with lighting, it, I remember why I love this hobby. But I, I just I need to get this... I don't know what it is. It's just for the past couple of years, it's getting over that exactly. initial hump of, hey, lazy asshole. Exactly. Just yeah. pull this shit out of the closet. It's all organized. It's not that hard. It's only going to take five minutes. But sometimes that five minutes of thinking of, oh, man, I got to I gotta reroute this power cable over here so the light can be there. It's just like, I don't want to deal with it. But I did it. I bought myself a new iPad after seven years, so I may be slowly getting myself back into the hobby. But for now, let's honor Nick's picks. So who do you got first there? First up this week is a nice little Halloween shot here from at Corona oh, yeah. 4 it's a good one. on the IG. And what we see is the headless stormtrooper standing around <laughs> his compatriots, drinking a cup of coffee. And I love the inquisitive looks that all the stormtroopers have. So Th- that's it like, right there, dude. It sells it so hard. So what, the, the one to his right, like the yeah. one directly to the guy's right, is just looking at him like, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like it's an, it's inspection time. You're gonna get fucking yeah. force choked. I mean the 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 pumpkin head. I don't know if this is like a customer. If he pulled this off of some other uh, uh, figure out there, it's just so well made. Like the fiery <laughs> eyes, like the big toothy like pumpkin smile. Uh, the cape, like the cape that he threw on him. It, it was like it's almost like 
nobody else got the memo about the Halloween party. And everybody's like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, love Again, it. like, hey, what, what, what's Bob doing here? Yeah. What, what does he know that we don't know? And that's how all the other troopers are reacting, going like, is this safe? Is this guy going to get himself force choked, like I said? Yeah, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but either way, it, it's a fun shot from Corona 4. A great mishmash of the pumpkin head onto a stormtrooper body. It's it's, it's like a the Star Wars version of Ichabod Crane. Indeed. But imagine Ichabod Crane being a dopey stormtrooper who really can't do anything right. That that's <laughs> kind of what he looks like here. Oh man, it was good shit. So at Corona Four, like Matt said, amazing job with this fun little festive Halloween shot. Next up is at Cluster Flux. And what Cluster Flux has given us is something that I don't even know if I've ever seen before in Star Wars toy photography. It's and, awesome. And that's just a fucking Quarren, like just a Quarren. So what we see is a Quarren Jedi that's whipping uh, what looks to be uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber because it has the cross guard on it. He's like decked out in like full like leather suit kind of wear. I don't know, dude. It just looks badass to me. Like the, It's awesome. The Quarren head the lightsaber, the fucking brown leather jacket and pants. Like, it's just a badass-looking shot. Yeah, I don't know if you if this looks similar to you or if, or if this style reminds you of someone we, we used to feature on the show, but th- this is actually Lights, Camera, Tentacles. I don't know if you remember I him. do remember, because he has uh, the Cluster and he, Flux he always universe. Cr- so I, exactly. Yeah, so he just and that's where name. he creates these, these hodgepodge characters from... Who knows what line? I mean, as Nick said, we're looking at a, a Quarren Jedi here, but this is not a figure you could get in stores. I mean, th- this is a, a custom gem, probably kit bash from all sorts of lines of figures, which is why it kicks ass. But like Nick, what stood out, it's just you, you're, you're not used to seeing a Quarren Jedi to start, but just the, the look of him. He's not in robes. You know, he, he's more, Nick, would you agree he's kind of more kitted out like a like a star killer yeah. would have been in that game? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, there's some pieces of armor, but, like, he's mostly in, like, you know. His yeah, leathers, yeah, man. Leather I mean, jacket, he's just leather fucking pants, badass. Just, like, just walking around. It's like sweet. A, he's got, you know, like the white armor um, on his forearms and shins. It's just a really cool custom figure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all credit there to at. Cluster Flux, K-L-U-S-T-E-R-P-H-L-U-X on IG. Make sure to go give him a follow because this is kind of his specialty is these mashups, these, these you know, building these characters and putting together this Cluster Flux oh, yeah. universe. He's got some so. like crazy droid configurations, you know, yeah. like crazy looking BB-8s or R2s. Just a wildly imaginative account. Yes. So check him out. Super fun. All right. Next up here, we got an awesome shot from at Max Maldini. And what we're seeing is the ultimate, it looks to me like the handoff, the official handoff from Boba Fett to uh, the Gamorrean Guard and to Mr. Uh, Lando Calrissian in the skies of Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt. So you see, uh, you know, Fett, you see Han and Carbonite and the Gamorrean plus uh, Lando in costume taking uh, Han to to Jabba. I just thought it was a really cool shot, like almost like a here's a scene you didn't get to see in in Return of the Jedi, the official handoff, uh, well executed by uh, Max Maldini. Yeah, totally. It's a nice, simple setup, uh, but I I really like Nick how 
Lando is the focus, even though he's not in the foreground. Like you're getting a little bit of forced perspective going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which kind of draws your eye to Lando, even though the the scene itself is kind of the the subject. Yeah, definitely. So fun. Great work from Max Maldini. Fun stuff there. Oh, she's back again. Hold on, Uh-oh. I got all sorts of little Second people coming down here crashing the show now. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we should get Amelia on here because she's not my kid. Yeah. <laughs> They're 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 back from swimming. So welcome, ladies. I'm almost done. I'll be up soon. You want to say hello? Hello. See everybody's in there chatting around. All right. <laughs> okay. I'll be ba- I'll be up in like five minutes. All right. May the force be with us all. <laughs> there you go. Oh wow! I didn't see Amelia's got this great R2D2 uh, PJ setup Ooh, going nice. on. Nice. Looking good, ladies. And I got PJ Sarah All right. <laughs> see you later. All right. Fun fun. Hey. Fun. It's a Star Wars time show live. You never know what's going to happen. We got special guests coming in (laughs) left and right. I'm just not trying to get arrested for having little kids on a live stream. Very true. (laughs) Uh, All right, go ahead. Yeah, picking back up with the top five. Who do we got next? Is um, so he he lists his name on the on the image as Kenobi to or Kenobi Toe, but it's really K C. N-O-B-I-T-O. Yeah, it had a little bit of a name change. Yeah. A little bit of name change. We we featured this this account yeah, before I, for sure. I, I definitely I definitely recognize the uh, the name. So it's K C N O B I T O on Instagram. Goes by Kenobi Toe. And what we see here is an awesome stylized shot of Darth Maul, kind of in the middle of. You can see that, like even in the blur, you can see some clone troopers there. Um, harrying him, shooting at him with with blasters, but blurred in a forest. Got like a a cool stylized version of his red lightsaber ignited behind him, almost in like a yeah. blade fashion. And he's reaching out for the well, other. I, half. I mean, it, it kind of looks like Kylo's unstable energy, yeah, right? The, like the 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 blade itself yeah. or the the red kyber energy is all chaotic looking yeah so it's just a really glowing cool yellow look. eyes. And Nick, it, it, to me, it's almost like he's doing a like a force ground pound, like a, yeah. and, and just like, fucking raging out on the battlefield. Yeah. And that, that's why everything's distorted behind them. But, I, but I'm with you. It is, it's the stylized, everything, the, the, the pose, the eyes, the saber. Yeah. No. So just excellent work there from at Casey N O B I T O on Instagram. Beautiful stuff. And remember if you're new here and you're just listening to the podcast version, uh, we do record the live stream if you want to look at the images while we're talking, but you can also view the images while you're listening on StarWarsTime.net. Yes, go check it out. Um, next up and last up for our top five this week is at Amusing King. And uh, Amusing King has an amazing shot here of General Grievous standing on the body of a fallen clone trooper. And, and Grievous is just one of those figures that like, if you can, if you pose it right, it just looks incredible. And you know, he's, Oh yeah. And, 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 uh, amusing King has done an incredible job here of of bringing Grievous to life with all four of his lightsabers ignited. One of them shoved through the chest of the fallen soul, uh, of the fallen clone trooper. Um, and he just looks like a menacing figure. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like Nick, he's not even, he's, he's already looking for his next target, right? He's, He's stepping on this clone's head, kneeling into his chest, stabbing him in the chest, but he's looking forward as if he's going to make his next pounce to kill more clones. It really, like Nick said, 
if you pose Grievous right, you're always going to have a badass looking shot. And that is what we're dealing with in this recent one from at Amusing King. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it's absolutely a fantastic portrayal of Grievous at Amusing King. Uh, well, that's it. That's the end of the top five. And that's the end of the show. Right. One of our longer ones for the recent future, because uh, Andor is giving us some good shit. So so Matt, bring us home. Yeah, hey, you know, we, we try to keep them under three hours, but sometimes we will blow our loads, as we did today. But I think it was a good discussion, Nick and I. We, we had some speculations. We dropped some new theories. Make sure to check them out if you missed it. We got theories on Clea, The Circle, Crimson Dawn, Miro's relations to other characters, Clea's relations to other characters, Jung possibly being a defector. And we kind of laid down how we thought and or episode eight was going to go down. So if you're listening to this on the podcast only version, hopefully we've hit because you've probably seen Andor at this point in time. But more importantly, as Nick said, this is the end of SWTS E236. So it's time to do the dance on over to StarWarsTime.net, our home base on the internet where you can find our content in between shows that we do each week. But more importantly, on StarWarsTime.net, you can find all of the important links to get your hooks into us. That's right. We want you inside of us. Pick your orifice. It doesn't matter for me. Nick, you'll have to ask permission. StarWarsTime.net, there's always time for Star Wars Time. Sub to the podcast. If you are subbed, make sure to leave a rating and review. I know it might sound annoying, but seriously, take two minutes. Go to iTunes, Google, Spotify, Pandora, anywhere you can rate or review a podcast and drop your thoughts on the Star Wars Time show. It helps us more than money. In fact, the only thing better than you leaving comments, reviews, and ratings is you joining us and consuming the show. So keep it going. Remember, if you feed the machines, the machines will alert other meat bags, and hopefully those meat bags will come to the Star Wars Time show. Uh, we had a new one pop up last week. Nikki's uh, dropping comments like, hey, I found this. I love you guys. You're great. And I, I just want to go like, well, how? <laughs> how did you find us? And why don't more people find us? Another guy. Man, I'd like to interview you. Your channel's great. Never heard of you. I wonder why. Me fucking too. <laughs> Are all these people rubes and they just they, they don't know what is good or what is bad? Or do we have good content? I think it's good, or I wouldn't put the time and effort into it. So let's keep building up this tribe, right? Like Boba. We need the, the, the larger the tribe, the more fulfilled our lives will be. And the best way to do that for new fans, point them to StarWarsTime.net. Tell them to sub up. Tell them there's always time for Star Wars Time. And don't forget, your closing line, the one that seals the deal, you tell them if they listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force will be with them always.